Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Wee Man, and you're listening to probably one of the shittiest stations ever, Below the Belt. I had to punch these two guys on it. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Wee Man, here with Chachi and Chump Shady, the two biggest cocks on uh, Below the Belt. Uh, actually, when it's Below the Belt, it's still at my shoulder length. Oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that was all true, too. Ah, oh, that's great, dude. That's great. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. pleasure guys we have an amazing show from top to bottom so let's go ahead and introduce the amazing panel which everyone can unmute themselves let's go ahead and start with that's right uh celebrating his birthday this week he is the once and future king he is the last numenorian and he has one true knight martin lopez good to be Police back on the show. happy birthday Thank you. And my uh, my new series, Middle Earth, is about to come out on Amazon. So the rest of you can learn all about Numenorians. Whoa! <laughs> what, 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 what? Yeah, that's <laughs> where the name comes from. Oh, that's right. Okay, very good. Yeah, the last Numenorian, of course. Um, um, and let's go ahead and introduce, guys, um, the lovely Latina back in the house. <laughs> um, she is a cosplayer extraordinaire. She is amazing in so many ways. Anna B, welcome back to BTB. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> All right. And we have somebody new joining us on BTB tonight. First time as a guest co-host. Um, he is a um, man. He's so many talents, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Um, he was um, one of the uh, producers of the recent Baltimore Next Media Web Fest. Um, and he's worked on all the big productions here in the DMV. The one and only Simi Terrell. Simi, Thank you for good. having me. Yeah, first time on BTV. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, guys, we have an incredible show from top to bottom, guys, as we do each and every week. Um, tonight's uh, special guest was actually pre-recorded. And speaking of Middle Earth, Martin Lopez, I am so excited to present an interview of an actress that will be appearing in the upcoming Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. However, she could not really talk about it. They kind of have... Yeah, there's um, no way. <laughs> NDA right now, She's she was promoting a movie called Who Are You People? All she could really talk to us. Well, you know what? She was able to talk a little bit about 
her Lord of the Rings fandom. Um, but uh, the movie that she's promoting is a great independent film called Who Are You People? And um, it's really a family drama about a young girl that wants to meet her biological father, uh, only to find out there is a big secret um, that uh, you'll end up finding out in the movie. And that film actually will be premiering this Saturday at the Mammoth Film Festival. Um, and uh, one of the um, spotlighted films of that particular festival, um, not only do I interview Emma Horvath, actress extraordinaire, the lead in the film, also director and writer Ben Epstein. So that is at the end of the program, but that's for later. Now is now. Um, actually, we have to talk a little bit of um, pretty much a Q&A with Simi, because Simi, this is your first time on BTB. Um, tell us about um, how you um, got into the film industry, uh, what made you fall into, in love with the film industry, first of all, and, uh, and what are your claims to fame? Uh, oh, claims to fame. Uh, yeah, don't have any of those, but uh, what made me get into the film industry is my love of rejection. <laughs> what? <laughs> Excellent choice. Excellent that happens choice. all the time in the industry, sadly. So I, I was like, how can I fail more? Film industry was it. it uh, every time I, I get that rejection, it just drives me a little bit harder. Okay. So, <laughs> so some motivation behind all that. Okay. Absolutely. Most motivates you to be stronger. Um, but I got to say, I, I saw you in Walking Dead World Beyond. You had some nice uh, featured scenes um, in the recent, uh, I guess, the final season, because there's only two seasons of that limited series. So, uh, yeah, you got some good camera time there, Simi. Uh, you know, I, I usually end up a blur unless I get a, a nice roll. But uh, and that usually only happens in short films right now. But uh, I was I was happy to be seen for once. Right, you're very very much seen. How how was it? How did you um? How would you describe that set working on that Walking Dead set? It was unbelievable. A lot of people, a lot of uh, dedication, and um, a lot of safety. Uh, great COVID team, uh, making sure that people stayed safe. Um. But it was it was intense. Uh, during the down times, there was a little bit of fun to be had, but um, we were we were down in the uh, I'd like to say the middle of Virginia, but we weren't quite to the middle. But uh, on a on a old plantation where they built a nice set there for everything to take place on for us that were in the village, and uh, it was it was a little bit surreal. Yeah, the only thing scarier than zombies, racist yeah. zombies. <laughs> Your village was kind of like that community that was kind of like at the mercy of the the CRM because you guys were pretty much at their at their command, basically whatever they wanted you to do, you guys had to do. And uh, um, but of course you fight back. That's not really a spoiler alert. Of course the small village is going to fight back in the CRM, but anyways, <laughs> but, uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the walking dead world beyond and, uh, kudos yeah. to that, man. Um, Sammy, just so you know, I love spoilers. There's nothing that makes this kind of happier <laughs> I, than dropping spoilers on the on. show. There's a major difference. Spoilers of things that have already dropped have been seen. Mm -hmm. I won't talk about spoilers of things that 
I might have gotten a sneak peek of that not the whole world have seen yet. Cause that's, and by Freddy dropped, he means like the world saw it 10 minutes ago and he's yeah. like, hey, <laughs> and then, like that, you know. Yeah, he loves spoilers more than I love rejection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I've, I've yelled at him enough. You'll see him qualify. He'll be like, this isn't really, you know, it's not, a, I can say this little thing. It's not well, bad. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crazy bombshells in the entertainment world that we, we certainly got to talk about, but um, you know, every week on Below the Belcher, this is something we're doing. We're doing a special topic of the week, and today's, this week's topic is um, pick any two fandoms. And how I, how did I came up with this brilliant topic? Well, today is two two twenty two, right? Ooh, right. I see what you did there. That's full right? on meta. And I was like, the number two. What's a good topic involving number two? Two <laughs> franchises. Pick two of your favorite franchises and two that make sense to have a crossover. Of course, there's been comic books that have done crossovers, but live action movie, live action um, series in any fandom you want. Um, and uh, I guess we'll go around the room. If you guys need a little a minute to conjure up something, I guess this is. Uh, I guess I'll start. Yeah, why, why, why the heck not, right? Okay, so this is, I mean, gosh, I've been thinking about this ever since I was a kid because I was always visualizing um, battles between superheroes from these two fandom, and that's simply DC and Marvel. I know it's a dream yeah. for these um, characters to collide, but we've never seen it really in a live-action a film or series we've only seen in the comic books they've done some yeah. crossovers and they've been nuts but this these are the these are i mean if we get this dc marvel crossover i would like it for it to be the justice league versus the avengers and um i've come up with some really crazy matchups all right so superman versus thor batman versus iron man green arrow versus hawkeye Wonder Woman versus Captain Marvel, Green Lantern versus Vision, Peacemaker versus Captain America. <laughs> I couldn't think of one for Captain America. Harley That's Quinn amazing. versus Black Widow, The Flash versus Quicksilver, Zatanna versus Scarlet Witch, Aquaman versus Namor, Doctor Fate versus Doctor Strange, Adam versus Ant-Man, Elongated Man versus Reed Richards, to name a few. Just, I mean, some of them have very similar abilities, but I feel like I've paired them up um, fairly equivalently, equal, equally. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, if anyone can think of a better um, battle, but I think that would be amazing for superhero supremacy. I know we're really, really geeking out on this dream, dream fandom, but I would love, absolutely love to see DC versus Marvel. Uh, yeah. two franchises to clash uh, for every nerd, geek, you know, kids, wet dream. So there you go. Um, yeah, I'm with I, you. I think like the only comment I would have is like I'd I'd have to see Justice League versus X Men. Like if you're gonna do crossover, okay. you'd have to do A Team versus A Team. So oh, you could say the X Men the A Team versus yeah, the Avengers un unequivocally. So like okay. every comic person like check the sales like x-men sales like quadruple the nearest bit the okay. problem is that like fox made okay x-men movies and then marvel made phenomenal avengers movies so now like the new generation is a little bit more pro, pro avengers but like old school 
X Men would walk through the Avengers. Okay. But Martin, is that your choice, or did you come up with something? No, no, no. I was just, I was, I was piggybacking off your thing. So I was telling you, like, yes, this type of thing, like, it pisses the nerd off at me a little bit because there's stuff that I love. Like, I love Lord of the Rings. I love Star Wars. But if I think they ever put a project in, like, all of a sudden, like, Vader is squaring off against Gandalf, I'd be furious. They'd be like, "How really? dare you sell okay. it?" Yeah, like, yeah, the, the the purist in me would get all bent out of shape. So the best I could do is I think of like, there's franchises that I really like. But don't love if they if they like mess with the ones I love I'd I'd you know okay. be, I, I wouldn't be happy. So you got a great the, uh, you got a great example. Yeah, so I really liked what they did with like AVP, right? We wanted that, and you get the same thing with Freddy versus Jason. So like this happens on occasion when they're close enough genre wise, right? Like these those are both horror people, those are both space people. I would love to see the Terminator fight somebody. I would love a Terminator crossover, and I could get behind that. So, versus versus yeah that's the question right so like what other like doomsday bad guy that can't be stopped you know do you square him off against like another thing from the 80s type of thing like, let's think of one while we're at, how about robocop see now that's that's solid right uh okay. yeah 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 you get you get the t800 versus somebody like robocop that's I, i'd pay a ticket to see it w- would that be a good one for you well let's yeah. let's geek out here it couldn't it couldn't be versus you like robocop, my because it'll have to be a bad guy too right so it would have to be like versus ed 309 well i think you're not wrong in terms of purity but they always structure that like predator and aliens are both bad guys but for the avp movies they clearly like lean aliens towards the bad guy and predators are a little bit more noble and doing the right thing they do the same thing with like freddy versus jason all of a sudden jason board he's not that bad of a guy because freddy's really bad <laughs> right 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 he's not that bad not that bad of a guy like that's called the women he mutilated i'm not rooting for oh jason. my god wow <laughs> all right let's he move kills on to... slightly less Right, yeah. <laughs> See, reasons. me, I know you got a good one. You got a good one? Oh, no, I, I really don't because there's so many crossovers and stuff that I would like to see. And I, I am not pure. As long as the action and the story is there, I'm good to go. It could be, it could be My Little Pony and the Snorks. I don't care. <laughs> if the story is there, I'm in for it. Okay, so My Little Pony and the Snork, is that what you're going with? <laughs> this, is the, this is your dream franchise. Oh, two man. dream franchises, two franchises in a dream film or series. Are you sure you want to give me the Snorks versus My Little Pony, Simi? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> you know, if it, if it was my my three or five year old dream, then then maybe maybe I, I'd have to see. Uh, or okay, Ninja Turtles and My Little Pony. Okay, Ninja <laughs> Turtles and My Little Pony. That is a crossover I can I can pretty much see, but let's see a live action version, right? Oh no 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 no. No, you no. want to stick to animation. Uh, we're we're gonna go anime here. Okay, anime. Yeah. Okay. Interesting, yeah. interesting pick, man. That's some wild pick. Simi, are you going to those Brony cons? Are you secret Brony? Uh, you know, you know, you would think, but no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dude. but I do want to see some mutated horses and uh, oh wow, you want to go really skills too? Uh, well, you're going story. really dark with My Little Pony. Yeah. Well, he's saying they get hit by the ooze and then trained by Splinter, and all of a sudden you got that's that's just very very disturbing, but crazy. Well, that's what the turtles is, man. These little animals get hit with the mutant. Right? <laughs> that is wild. Just, Anna just, B, Anna B, Anna B. I know you got some two, 
fandoms that you would love to see in a film or a series? What two crazy fandoms are you thinking? Since anime was mentioned, I think I'm going to go with Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball C. Okay. Ooh, very nice. <laughs> All right. And what kind Those of... Um, cute outfits. Yeah, I know. What kind of encounters, what kind of matchups or... or or what, what would you like to? What will you expect out of this this series? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe like a, a collab. I would say because I would say Sailor Moon against um, Goku. I don't think that would go too well. <laughs> okay. okay. So they'll, they'll, they'll be allies. Fusion and see what happens there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so allies, not not pitted against each other. No, yeah, no. Okay, wow. You, you know what I was just thinking? You could do both. There was a short-run comic series uh, a while ago. I don't remember what it was, but it crossed over Transformers with G.I. Joe. And the storyline was basically, like, before before the, yeah, before the Autobots and Decepticons woke up, like, they're excavated found. So, like, Cobra Command finds Megatron and wakes him up and, like, makes an alliance. And it's basically, like, Cobra and the Decepticons versus the Joes and the Transformers. And it was, it was freaking, it was awesome. The nerd I recall very happy. The, I, re- I recall the comic book, but I haven't seen any uh, series or, or animated show like that. <laughs> but I do recall Transformers versus G.I. Joe comic book. So. But uh, that, those, those are some great dream franchise um, crossovers, guys. Very, very nice. You guys did a fantastic job. Wow. All right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on to um, everything in the world of entertainment, top 20 style. Uh, a little new format for 2022 to uh, keep things a little more um, running, I guess, so to speak. So here we go with everything in the world of entertainment. It, it is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. All right. Yeah, that's Benji and Joel representing the DMV. Although they sold out, sold their souls to Hollywood. It's okay. Yes, yeah, so many would do the same in their position, right? I mean, Cameron Diaz, Nicole Richie, you know. Anyways, <laughs> all right. So we always talk about the box office. This isn't um, this doesn't fall into our top ten because it happens every week. The box office happens every week. Can you believe Spider Man No Way Home still the number one movie? We, we are in February, guys, and this movie came out in December. Spider Man, um, another eleven million over the weekend, um, and it just soared past the one billion mark, um, and uh, it. it Pretty amazing that this movie has had no competition other than Scream. Scream actually was number one two weeks ago, but couldn't hold on to the number one um, spot. Um, But Scream is the number two movie, um, followed by Sing 2, Redeeming Love, and The Kingsman, um, rounding up the top five respectively. So what movie will dethrone Spider-Man? No Way Home. Well, um, this weekend there are some big movies that are going to be released. And uh, if you heard the opening promo, you heard uh, Jackass himself, Wee Man. He was one of our most hysterical interviews we've had on BTV. And of course, Jackass Forever uh, will be released um, this weekend. It's the fourth installment of the ongoing saga. Um, I still, I'm just shocked that Jackass. It's still going strong. I mean, 
had a strong run on MTV as a series, but people people like the movies. I mean, uh, like seeing Jackass on the big screen. I mean, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, do you really need the, the fancy big screen and the surround sound to watch a Jackass? You know? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I don't know why they still want to go the theater route for for what really is a reality show, if you think about it, a glorified reality show is this uh, jackass forever but um i mean they're fun films but you know i mean i don't know i, I just can't yes. see it upsetting spider-man yeah no i i think maybe they're not thinking theater but just movie because like if you're going to carry a series you need so much content you need to get people engaged over time if you're just right. shooting a movie you can just do like some really really big off the wall and then put like two hours together and get it out there i think it's a more economical you know pathway for them Right, right. And uh, another big movie is a disaster epic film called Moonfall. Um, Moonfall has a lot of promise. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Have you, have you seen the trailer for this, uh, for this yeah. film? Yeah, by Ro- Roland Emmerich. Um, he's actually the, mo- the mind behind Independence Day, The Day After Tomorrow. Uh-huh. Um, he's been great with the uh, post-apocalyptic kind of stuff, you know? Um but uh and it's got a heck of a cast it's got holly berry patrick wilson john bradley donald sutherland and a certain actor that i've stood in for before michael pena um can't exactly pinpoint where or when um due to certain uh non-disclosures but uh but i did stand in for him on shooter and that was a long time ago um but uh i guess i guess i recently stood in for him recently but Cannot disclose which particular project, but uh, anyways, Michael, I am so excited. Michael Pena is in a part of this project because the fact that I got to work with the guy recently and he's just uh, a stand-up guy and I reminded him, hey, man, I stood in for you for Shooter. He's like, dude, you know, so I thought that was pretty rad. Um, I mean, probably one of the most bankable Latinx actors right now is Michael Pena. He seems to be like the it Latin actor, would you say, ought to be? Michael Pena? The It one? I wouldn't say so. I mean, he's a part of the Marvel Universe. He's been in all the big blockbuster movies. Also, um, like from Mandalorian. He's Latino. <laughs> His name? Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, yeah. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. He's, he's really I would really, think he is. You would think yeah, he is. Yeah, he's crushing it. I agree. Yeah, that's exactly I would say he's a better looking guy than Michael. <laughs> no, but think but, of the uh, projects, man. Like, yeah. Not just Mandalorian, but Game of Thrones, and he's in Narcos, and he's yes. and he's not like small dudes in any of those. He's like he's like key to all the franchises. So like he yeah. he's just been hitting grand slams for like a decade now. Yeah, and yeah, of course uh, we were gonna get into the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, we're just looking forward to that. Um, uh moonfall does look really amazing and um yeah should be pretty cool also speak of game of thrones john bradley um um he was a one of the game of thrones actors he's in it too um do you remember who john bradley was in game of thrones guys um tarly he was tarly in game of thrones his friends call him sam sam yes <laughs> that's right all right let's get to this list all right so um starting with number 20 uh, we just saw the final uh, trailer for Uncharted. This is the big blockbuster film based on the video game with Mark Wahlberg and um, Tom Holland, Spider-Man himself. And uh, it really had a lot of uh, 
Indiana Jones vibes after I watched it. I don't know if anyone got a chance to check out the trailer, but um, and I wasn't really familiar with the video game because I haven't been really a gamer lately. Has anyone played the Uncharted video game before? It did for a while. Yeah, it's a yeah. You pegged it with Indiana Jones. He's a treasure hunter. Right. That's the whole, that's the whole premise. That is that is the premise. Yes, yes. And this is going to be the next big blockbuster film um, that is directed by Ruben Fleischer. Um, also, Antonia Banderas is the film's villain. Um, Sophia Ali, Tati Gabrielle. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a great great cast. Um, yeah, how, how how old is Antonio now? Oh man, he's in his sixties. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking. We like, don't, I was we don't like, talk about Antonio. Yeah, I was just like, I hope, I hope to one day be as attractive as Antonio Banderas is at sixty-five. Right. Like, I don't yeah. like like what that guy. <laughs> out of now control. we need to find out. Yeah. Now we got to find out the, what his age is. But uh, yeah. when did you first uh, see Antonio? When, when did you first admire Desperado. Antonio's work? Oh, yeah. Desperado. Desperado. And, and, and he was ridiculously badass in that. You know, just like charming suave like what like i like i don't think anybody could see that and, like not want to be that dude and then uh and then again like i mean these are just so many great movies and then like he also crushed yeah. zoro like he crushed zoro wow so good he was great in zoro okay so antonio banderas is 61 <clears throat> yeah it's ridiculous whoa dude yeah so uh amazing amazing all right um number 19 on the list all right is a new clip of the Batman released by Warner Brothers where uh, the Riddler crashes a funeral. I don't know if anyone got a chance to see that, but um, in the clip, Bruce Wayne attends a funeral for what appears to be Gotham City official. Um, a Gotham City official. Didn't name who it was. Um, Jim Gordon was in attendance. He's played by Jeffrey Wright. Um, incredible actor, by the way, Jeffrey Wright. Um, and is discussing how the Gotham DA, Gil Coulson, played by Peter Sarsgaard, has gone missing. Screams can be heard from outside the church as Bruce looks up to an ominous figure on the second level of the church that seems to be the Riddler. Chaos ensues as, as an SVU, <laughs> an SUV, rather, crashes. <laughs> I know, SVU is the other show. <laughs> SUV crashes into the funeral. Bruce grabs a child and dives away from the upcoming SUV as it crashes into a column by the altar. Wow. I can't believe they just released an entire scene of a movie before the movie's release. Um, I'm just shocked to see that. Right? I'm used to seeing trailers, but to see an entire clip of what is probably going to be the next biggest movie, because I can't recall if anything's equally as big as Spider-Man and Why Batman. Why did that? Remember the Lion King trailer is just the first like eight minutes of the movie. Ah, yeah, it's totally effective, right? They do the song yes. and they hold up the cup, and we're like, well, yes, we definitely yes, seen that. Yes, yes, and another. I, I, think of, <laughs> I can think of another one. In the Heights, In the Heights did another one too. I was like, dude, you're giving an entire like opening musical number away, but uh, you get them hooked on the song, and it's gold at the box office. Right, that's all you need. <laughs> that that's some great marketing. I mean. I guess people don't want to be spoiled and get, you know, but at the same time, if, if it's a little bit of a taste and it's not really spoiling anything, why not? You know, um, I think it's, you know, I think it's cool. Maybe, maybe it could be a trend, you know, but um, I don't know. Is I'm anybody looking? Definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you looking, looking forward to, to it? How, how dark they go with this. And then, you know, there's that big controversy over the Riddler and his new outfit. Oh, 
I'm not privy to the controversy, Simi. What we'll have you heard? Uh, so they've updated them to, uh, I guess, to what the newer style is on the comic book. So he doesn't have all of the question marks everywhere. Oh. Uh, not that super uh, green outfit. It's okay. a little bit darker, a little bit more disturbed. Okay, so not controversial that it was causing any anyone to be up in arms, but more like it wasn't true to the comic book fandom, I guess, or the comic Twitter book. Twitter blew um, up, but uh, that yeah. doesn't take much these days. Right, yeah, 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 yeah I it's, know. It's, it's prone to doing that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> All right, number 18 on this list, guys. Jason Momoa has been officially initiated into the Fast and Furious franchise. This is an interesting casting. Yeah, it is interesting. I think it has to do with the fact the rocks that he has done with the Fast franchise and wanted. It's exactly what I thought too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> why did they, you know, someone? And why, why not? Yeah, you know, someone that could be the play the rock's cousin. I don't know. Uh, yeah, because like, how do, many people do, can bring do they that? feel like number two there? Who's number two? I think we'll go with Jason Momoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, li- I literally think that's what it was like you're trying to like who can replace that kind of star power and like we'll go out and get yeah. the other super jacked very attractive charismatic guy Let's everybody likes <laughs> stick him in there <laughs> your son your son and stars yeah? and fast and the furious yeah <laughs> i think it would be great i think i think it's the perfect movie for him i think uh i think this is a you know i'd love i'd love to see i'd love to hear his catchphrase you know my man, you know, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we know which one of those two uh, Anna likes more. Yeah, The Rock or Jason Momoa, Anna B. I hey, think I know the answer. How could you ask? She's she's like, <laughs> I think you, when I met her, she was Khaleesi. When I met you, you she was cosplayed. Khaleesi. Yeah, you cosplayed yeah. as Khaleesi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely <laughs> Jason Momoa. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were your thoughts when you heard that Jason Momoa uh, split from uh, his wife for so many years? Oh, Lisa Bonet? I was sad because I thought I was like, oh, love exists. Um, a marriage can last forever. And then they announced that. I was like, oh. I know, right? <laughs> now he's back to being a thirst trap again, right? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number 17 on my list is uh, the Masters of the Universe live action film. Now, this is a long time coming, but... Uh, Interestingly enough, the West Side Story actor um, Kyle Allen um, will be, um, yeah, will have the sword, the, the furry out. underwear uh, <laughs> to play the furry 80s. underwear. I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know how that to call barbarian it. garb. Yeah, it's right, fully some furry garb. underwear. It's absolutely <laughs> what it is. <laughs> <laughs> got some, got some woolly mammoth undergarments there. Yeah. I mean, I have I wanted to check out the Masters of the Universe animated series on Netflix, but I never got the chance to. But oh, I think it, I, I think it's time to take a stab at the live action He Man, right? What I do you how, how do you think this Kyle Allen will fare as the first live action He Man? Actually, since well, actually Dolph Lundgren was the first live action. Right. Okay. But um, I'm gonna have to familiarize. Let me take a look at Kyle Allen again and see. Yeah, how jacked is he? It's because like He Man is huge. The guy but, has to get jacked, but uh, I don't see I, uh, the guy. Yeah, looking at pictures of Kyle Allen, um, yeah, I think he's gonna have to go the Chris Hemsworth, uh, you know, jacked plan, I guess, uh, at, at the at the gym to to properly, you know. 
unless they want to go the the Batman because like Robert Pattinson is the first lanky Bruce Wayne. You know, he he said in interviews he yeah. purposely did not go to the gym to get jacked. He's doing a, a completely different version of a Bruce Wayne that we haven't seen before. You know. Yeah, I mean, you can get that away with a lot of people. Not He Man. He Man. He Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to portray a pot belly He Man. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't watch yeah. carbs. Like, it's not going to work out. <laughs> wait, wait, I think there's he... a role for me? <laughs> <laughs> right. I think he can play Adam, and then maybe they'll CG, you know, the, the, the steroid jack. Oh, look. yeah. He'll get you know, the Shazam treatment. We're all kind of. That's I mean, the one thing that you need to know is if he looks good in a pink shirt, like he's about to bust out of it. That's all you need to know if he's going to be a good He-Man. The thing is, they were so oblivious when Adam was was right. had a similar jacked physique. Yeah, he's so jacked. But, <laughs> but then he rose the sword to be, you know, yeah, you know, I have the power, and then he's yeah. equally as jacked. But make him a little more. You know, um, not jacked and yeah. uh, average size, and then when he becomes He-Man, yes, give him the jacked look. Yeah, he I think they even should have, like the hero mask thing. It's just like him, his hair, different, different outfit. Yeah, that's <laughs> all it is. Change his clothes. They're like, oh, that's He-Man. Where Prince Adam go? Yeah, that's Wait. all it is. <laughs> so are you saying one had a tan and one back in the day when they did uh, Lou Ferrigno as Incredible Hulk? Because when he changed, he was just green. Yeah, that's another example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, as, as, yeah, as a kid, I don't remember that being a problem at all. It was like a huge change in my mind. But, you know, I was like eight, so what do you get to? <laughs> but this will be interesting. So the script for He-Man will be written by David Callahan, who wrote Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. All right, so that's good. That's good to hear. And um, uh uh, let's see. Brenner and Kevin McKeon will lead the project. Um, Todd Black, Jason Blumenthal, Steve Tisch, um, who produced Being the Ricardos, Marini's Black Bottom will produce. So it's they have a good team, you know. So this will be. I mean, I love Shang Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. So um, yeah, let's see what they do with it, right? All right. Something I'm looking forward to. It does look. It sounds really cool. Now this film sounds great. I mean. It's Gal Gadot, who we love. She's Wonder Woman, right? And another action um, franchise movie in the vein of Mission Impossible, but it's called Heart of Stone. Um, she'll be joining uh, forces with Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades, Belfast, um, and it's a spy thriller. Uh, but the plot details are under wraps, so don't know much about that particular film but um do you realize you just accidentally fell into a great crossover one yeah. woman in 50 shades of gray yeah tries to, like handcuff her up and she just slaps him the fuck across the room i love it i love it i love it that is i great. would not submit <laughs> you know what was interesting because we talked about this in the show before but i think it was kind of funny to bring it up again because there's a little controversy with um gal gadot seducing um, an actor that she thought was Chris Pine but wasn't, you know, yeah. she kind of did a little mind control. Yeah, they slept together she's... because they were in bed together. So, it, you know, it's the rape by it, deception. It was, it was a little bit of controversy there, but really, was it anything more than we saw in Big with Tom Hanks? Fair argument. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you okay. know, like, yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks gets away with it because for some reason, like. 
if a teenage boy sleeps with a full-on woman, he's definitely not being taken advantage of. For some reason, that's, oh. that's considered like a win for a young man. It's like, yeah. no, it's still crime, still, still steps to it. And there was nothing but teachers getting arrested for doing the same thing since then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very, very valid point, Simi. Very valid point. That's a good one, man. All right, number 15 on the list. Uh, Laura Dern, Noah Jupe, Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange himself, uh, will star in a futuristic drama. This is a really cool concept of a film. So basically, it's a mother and son living in a world where a pill um, takes away the need for sleep. Hmm. And there's an artificial sun that makes it so there's no end to the morning daylight of living and work. So we're talking infinite daylight, which from friends have told me Iceland has uh, periods of time when you go to Iceland, it's like completely sunny all day. It really would fuck up your night, you know, trying to get some sleep, I imagine. But imagine if this was like a, a reality, right? I mean, I mean, Iceland is is on Earth, but it's a reality. But I guess everywhere on Earth that they experience constant daylight, um, due to an artificial sun, just to speed up pro- productivity and work hours and stuff. Kind of crazy. Kind of... Uh, I think uh, Russia also has that, too. Russia? Yeah. At certain times, like, it's, like, daylight by, like, 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Okay, well, then that that explains all the hard work they've been doing. <laughs> keep keep the, the man hours going till 1 a.m., you know, when it's still bright out, you know? Yeah, I don't know if this is uh, still correct, but I remember like falling asleep in science class and somebody saying uh, that <laughs> if you stay awake for too long, you die. Or maybe it yeah. was a horror movie. I don't know. No, but, that's, uh, that's spot on. Yeah. Yeah, it seems seems a little bit just too far outside the realm of possibility for me, but I'll a little bit. Yeah. Probably. I think the premise sounds awesome and it's better at Cumberbatch, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. Um, so Matt Smith from The Crown, Doctor Who, um, is going to be starring alongside a, an actress named Morfid Clark, who will be in the upcoming Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which you mentioned before. Uh, but they're going to be a supernatural horror film called Starve Acre. So it's set in 70s uh, rural England. Follows an archaeologist named Richard who buries himself in exploring a folkloric myth with an ancient oak tree on his land his family lives on. And then he be then he develops these phenomenal powers from this oak tree. Okay. All right. I'm excited. I'm gonna see it. Okay. I mean it's got a great cast. Uh and uh because it's a horror film, I'm sure the phenomenal <clears throat> powers ends up killing some motherfuckers but uh <laughs> but uh <laughs> apparently um there's an unexpected discovery that occupies the couple's attention and their seemingly family a uh, family um idyllic family life is thrown into turmoil uh, oh. when their son starts acting out of character okay interesting interesting um one uh, if film. the tree's giving you powers, then that means we're one step away from Captain Planet. I'm up for it. Yes. <laughs> Very Captain good. Planet. Love it. You know what I felt bad for was that kid with the heart ring. Like oh, all the yeah. all the other rings are awesome. All the heart ring can do is talk to other people. So like as soon as cell phones came out, that kid was obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Mati. Yeah. <laughs> oh, love it. Uh Number 13 on the list, 
Saoirse Ronan is in a uh, new film called The Outrun. So it's a memoir of alcohol- alcoholism and nature. Wow, these are two things I love. <laughs> um, uh, so basically, she's an out of rehab um, person who heads home um, to the Orkney Islands after an absence of, after an absence of over a decade, and she reconnects with the dramatic landscape where she grew up. Okay, you know, Sir Ronan has always been associated with Oscar-winning, Golden Globe-winning films, you know. Um, every single time she's in a film, it just gets nominated. So I think she's choosing her projects very carefully because she really hasn't been in many, like, shitty films, you know. Uh, I've noticed, like, every single film. Um, I even like the, 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 that one sci-fi film, The Host, that she was in, um, which never got a sequel, which I'm really upset about, but I thought it was great. Great, great, great film. What was it called? Um, oh, the one with Saoirse Ronan, um, The Host. The Host, all right. Yeah. It was a really cool sci-fi film, Let's which apparently they intended for three films, but it just didn't didn't make an impact in the box office, and they never greenlit the sequel. Ooh. I know, boo, right? Because it's things. like They had like all these books, you know? That would be like ending Dune after the first movie when there's so many effing books to cover, you know, but we all know I, that. Forget the, forget the books. They, they got through like the first hundred pages of that book with movie one. I didn't know they're making more than one movie. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. But like, yeah, they, like it was great. Don't get me wrong, but like they got nowhere. Like they didn't give up to like the rising action part of the story. Like I would assume they're making a trilogy based on how far they got in that first movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're only going to go up to the book where the protagonist, this Timothy Chalamet's character, um, because I know the other books kind of move away from his character. Oh, it's weird. It gets super right. weird. So I think they're going to go up to, to only his character, which I believe is only the first three books. Yep. Yeah, so there you go. I think that's probably what they're going to do for the movies. Yeah, book four is 4,000 years later. It gets gets odd real quick. Yeah, then that could be maybe look at that in the future perhaps, but not, not right away. Um, let's see. Ah, zipping through the list number 12. Um, Chloe Grace Moretz and Joseph uh, Gordon-Levitt are going to star in a film called White Knight. It's a psychological thriller um, inspired by the true story of the mass murder-suicide in jo- at the Jonestown cult in 1978. I remember seeing this on some documentary. This is pretty, pretty crazy. Wait, um, Jonestown? Yeah, the jo- Jonestown cult. Yeah, do you remember yeah. reading, uh, seeing, yeah. seeing that? It's uh, basically 900 people died in a mass murder-suicide. Uh, one of the largest on record. That's just insane. Cults weird me out, man. That's that's so fascinating that you can do you can get groupthink going to the point where you can get like that many people to kill themselves. Wow. Nine hundred people. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's wow. They they did it they did it in uh, American Horror Story. That's where I kind of saw um, kind of a one take on it, but this this will be I guess a little more because you know American Horror Story does lend itself to a little more fictionalized um, things, but it was kind of based on that. But yes, they're gonna. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, those are two great actors with three names, um, I but I think they'll do really well. I thought he was in it too, Leonardo. I thought he was playing um, the main act. I mean, like the main guy from that. Yes, is he in it? I didn't see um, Leo in that, but you know what? That makes sense. 
I think. Yeah. Oh God. So 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 wait. So I guess um, jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Chloe Grace are the um, protagonists, and then Leo is the the villain antagonist. Yeah. He'd be a good cult I, leader. Leonardo DiCaprio would be a great cult leader. Dude, he he wants to win that Oscar, then doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, he he is just. Just think about Leo, man. He, he's never done episodic <laughs> television, and he's never done ah, um, a franchise. Leonardo DiCaprio started as, uh, oh, as yeah. a, a cameo on a Growing Pains. That's he was right. like that, that kid that came in way late in the season. So he's been on daytime That's TV. That's right. So. That's how he started, right? But he never, Growing Pains. But ever since he made it big as in a film, a movie actor, yeah. he's never <laughs> he's never gone back. He was like 10. It's so weird to go back and see him, and he's this itty-bitty dude. Right. That's actually very, very interesting that you mentioned that. Wow. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. All right. Um, number 11 on my list are just the films that were making waves at Sundance. We <clears throat> talked about some last week, but um, there's one with John Boyega, Finn from Star Wars, <laughs> and the late, great Michael K. Williams, who sadly passed away due to drug overdose. This is uh, Michael K. Williams' last film. Um, called 892, um, but uh, Bleecker Street just acquired the rights to the film. Um, it's based on a true story of a former U.S. Marine, Brian Brown Easley, played by John Boyega, who finds himself on the brink of poverty after his disability check fails to materialize from Veterans Affairs. Um, so, um, wow, so, sounds like a drama with a lot of heart. Um, that film made waves of Sundance, as well as a romantic comedy starring uh, Dakota Johnson called Am I OK, which is about a woman coming to terms with her sexuality. Um, she wonders why all of her dates never lead to the bedroom, which <laughs> is the opposite of Fifty Shades of Grey, because she was always in the bedroom. <laughs> and then she was Googling, wondering if she's actually gay. Um, and it's um, directed by Tig Notaro and her wife. So there you go. So that. That that does uh, make a lot of sense now, <laughs> but that was a big um, film at Sundance that got a lot of uh, um, got a lot of um, you know positive reception. But the really? nanny was the big winner at the Sundance Film Festival, which won the Grand Jury Prize. Um, also Dakota's other movie because she's in two Sundance movies called Cha Cha Real Smooth, which we talked about last week. That actually won. The audience award. Yeah, r- funny name, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I have to hear smooth. this song. Cha cha, real smooth. <laughs> Turn it up. <laughs> you, know, you know that you know it's got to have a heck of a heck of a cool song, like a soundtrack, you know. Um, but uh, that's pretty cool. All right, we got to talk about Book of Boba Fett uh, episode six. I don't know if, if anybody is like, uh spoilers. Uh, talk about it, but if you don't mind, hang um. You know, you're gonna say him anyway. To... I know you're gonna say him anyway because you do think. Well, we... <laughs> I know I, I know Anna B has watched it, so let's just talk about it. Um, Simi, are are you a big Star Wars uh, Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian fan, or is this something that you don't follow as closely with? I I am a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, the Disney Plus adaptation of Star Wars was a little slow for me. It. It it just doesn't hold the same entertainment value, and it seems to be drawn out. Well, which one are we referring to? I, I'm talking about all of them. All, all of them. them. We're, we're talking yeah. Mandalorian. Uh, we're talking Book of Man Boba Fett. Throwing shade. 
yeah, everything's been going downhill since Disney took over, man. It, it's just really, it's just slowed down. Are you sure you're not referring to the new, the three new films, and not the series? I think that... he's sure what he's saying, man. No, I'm, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Okay, yeah, so you... I agree. <laughs> okay, I don't that's, know that's if I can fine, agree with that. Fine. But I, you... a lot of people, a lot of people are into it, and it's just. Okay. I, I need a little bit more. Okay, but is it okay we talk a little bit about it? Uh, go right ahead. All right, well, let's hey, talk about He's not about... going to watch it, man, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Episode 6 ought to be, wow. Did you think we were going to get so much Mandalorian and Grogu on a show that's called Book of Boba Fett, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this is exciting because last week we got a pretty much a pure Mandalorian episode, which pretty much felt like watching like the season three premiere right didn't yeah, it it did it did That's and then we get to this next episode episode six and it just seems like another episode of mandalorian yeah which i'm not complaining i loved it you loved mm. it right i mean of course the end of it we're kind of seeing how it ties in but mm. let's just break down this 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 awesome which in my opinion was my favorite of the of the episode so far it was just amazing 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 but um the the title of the episode is uh, "From the Desert Comes a Stranger," and I believe they're referring to um, Cobb Vant, who's played by Timothy Oliphant. Yes. Um, and uh, I love him. He was great in this episode, he's guys. Great in everything. He's right? great in everything that he does. But in the Star Wars universe, I just thought he just did great. Um, he's known as the Marshal who purchased Boba Fett's armor off the Jawas, and of course, he doesn't have the armor anymore because. Of course, not Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba Fett's got his armor. But um, anyways, we see um, Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. Uh, He's now in his new Naboo Starfighter, uh, which basically is that yellow Starfighter. They just removed all the yellow paint. Um, And he's uh, going to go visit his little friend. As you know, he he said that last week. I'm going to see a little friend. And he had would appear to be some kind of armor um, for his little friend Grogu, which was Beskar uh, Chainmail. So he wanted to deliver this amazing gift to Grogu. And apparently he sees R2-D2 and a whole bunch of like spider droids building what we find out is the Jedi Temple, which is uh, pretty, pretty awesome, I got to admit. Uh, R2 leads Mando through a forest, and who do we see first? Not Ma- not um not Grogu. We actually see uh, Sokatana, which uh, surprised to see. Um, but um, you know he still you know Mando still has an attachment to to Grogu. Clearly, I mean he wants to give him this um, Beskar miniature Beskar armor, and he Big wants to see. And he wants to see Grogu, but Ahsoka's like, you can see him from afar, but you basically you can't interact with him because of the attachment thing. With a Jedi, you're not supposed to have strong attachment because it completely fucks up your, your Jedi training or whatever. So Mando sees him from afar, you know, and uh, I could tell he's a little, little distraught that he couldn't deliver this piece of... Uh, armor in person to grow Did it get you in the feels did it get you oh, in the feels out so, it so got you in the feels man <laughs> it so did but uh let him give uh, him a hug you bastards yeah <laughs> but, 
But prior to all that, we saw some just shades of, of uh, Empire Strikes Back. We saw this time Luke training Grogu in the same way that Yoda trained Luke on Dagobah. Um, so we saw this just amazing, um, just, just, I mean, pretty much the same thing, you know, lifting objects from the, the lake, which in this case were a bunch of frogs. Um, all the, the jumping from rock to rock and, and the swamp was kind of like repeated in, in this episode as well. Um, the whole, all the flips and stuff like that. And they also did, uh, remember that, uh, training, um, Jedi training droid, that big sphere that you basically have to, uh, that zaps you. <laughs> so they brought that back as well. And Grogu had to train with that. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, another really interesting aspect about it was, um, having, um, uh, Grogu remember his past and they did that, um, by um, Grogu, uh, or well, Luke rather, I guess uh, channeling the Force within Grogu to, you know, get back some of his memories. And this was a very dark memory. This was um, Order sixty six. And if you don't know, that's when all the Jedi were wiped out. And um, very, I mean, this is a, a great time. I was super analyzing that scene. I was like, do I recognize anybody? <laughs> yeah, who did who did like, you, who who's, did, who's who, the Jedi? Who's the Jedi? Who did you recognize? Actually, I, I didn't rec- reckon there was one I thought that it was a different Jedi, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. Okay. Um I I watched one of my favorite YouTube uh, shows that discusses Star Wars. Yeah. Mentioned that one of the people in that flashback scene was the Jedi librarian lady. Librarian, yeah. Yes, is it the same librarian that that uh, you know showed Obi-Wan where the Rishi maze was or whatever had yeah. to find yeah, exactly. So I believe that's her official title, uh, Jedi the, librarian. The lady. Jedi Jedi <laughs> librarian, right? We'll have to consult the Jedi library lady. <laughs> I mean, if I mean, this is the first librarian that's badass, if you think about it. You think of uh, librarians as so just uh, very intellectual, very book smart, but not badass. I think that's very, think that's very stereotypical. Is that stereotypical? <laughs> I, I will have to disagree uh, there. See? Uh? Say, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Kathy Ireland and uh, Necessary Roughness. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah, I had such, uh, such a crush on her in the 80s. Oh, yeah. She, she, Ireland, man. She was <laughs> the cover she the librarian, and then she pulled down, uh, she took down her hair and then whipped it back. And it, Woo! Yeah, yeah. Wow, she was a badass librarian. Then. She was a beauty back then, no doubt. Sports <laughs> Illustrated swimsuit issue, right? Um, but yes, we saw Order 66, and basically a, bl- a bunch of clone troopers just wiping out all this Jedi and Grogu being very, very scared. Um, and um, yeah, we, we did see that, which is crazy. Um, and then we, we cut away from what was going on with Grogu just for a minute. And then we see just the Pike City kids just being a bunch of just sadistic assholes. You know, they go into that bar and pretty much plan a bomb. I don't know if they take out the entire bar, but I hope Max Rebo is still alive. <laughs> How horrible it would be if Max Rebo and the band were wiped out from that bomb. Let's just hope a lot of those people uh, survive that, you know, because that would just been really, really horrible. And um, then we get to um, um, Mando after he drops off his uh, precious um, armor to Grogu. 
meeting with Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, the Power Rangers, which are those group of young kids with the cyborg, cyborg parts, uh, <laughs> and the Black Wookiee, Black Chrysanthemum, the most badass Wookiee on the uh, in I the did, galaxy. Yeah, I really like that character. I really like that character. Isn't he cool? Oh yeah, my as as, God. As soon as they said gladiator pits, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. That's definitely I know. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I don't know why they had to add black to the front of his name because just because he's black, why you got to call him black? <laughs> but uh, but he's Chrysanthemum. He's played by Kerry Jones. And they even had the major dome with their David Perquesi basically saying, we still need more troops because the pike syndicate they're huge basically so they so they need uh timothy olfin in his town to help you know um so um they asked timothy olfin hey can you help us and he's like ah you know i guess he's like thinking about it you know um because i mean you know they're they're all about peace now you know they took out the crate dragon they don't want to fight someone else's war right and then we see in the middle of a desert. So this is something that will make a lot of Clone Wars fans really happy. Uh, supposedly one of the badass um, bounty hunters in the galaxy, Cad Bane. Cad Bane appears. Oh yeah. At um, yeah Cobb Vance um, Town, which is now called Freetown. Great character. And, and uh, he apparently Cad Bane knows about, um, you know. Um, Cobb Vance, um, possible assistance to help them in the war against the Pikes. And Cad's like, look, dude, you know, just uh, stay quiet. Don't help him out. We'll pay you the same amount not to help him. And then it doesn't end that way, guys. They get a little nice little um, Mexican <clears throat> standoff, Western style shootout. Um, and yeah, this, this Cad Bane character. Yeah, he takes out the marshal. He takes out um, Cobb Vanth, which I really hope he's still alive. I think he is. I think he is. I don't know. What do you think, Anabi? You think he's still alive, Cobb Vanth, after? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And what's your opinion on this Cad Bane um, character? Um, I don't think I have that much, that many opinions about him. Okay. I guess if you if you haven't really watched, I haven't watched all of Clone Wars yet, so oh, I haven't been. He's great. Have you okay? What, yeah, what and like really us? talented. Like he's like you know how in the prequels there's this like little moment where you have uh, Jango Fett square off with the Jedi, and it's like a couple minutes. Like Cad Bane's version of that is way more severe. Like he invades the Jedi Temple and like holds his own, like guns okay. blazing, just yeah, like really talented okay. guy. Wow. Okay. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see more of this Cad Bane. He's this crazy blue alien creature with big yeah. red eyes. He was dressed like a cowboy. Yeah. Pretty yeah he's, got, he's got like a southern accent. And he's like, well, yeah. if you want to make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, he's the reason why Boba Fett has a dent in his helmet. Because during mm-hmm. the Clone Wars, they actually had a square off. You know, they had a, they had a fight. And uh, that's what he was telling Cobb Vanth. Hey, why aren't you wearing your armor? Because basically, that Beskar armor will protect you. But that wasn't the case. So, so now we're, we go back to the Jedi planet the jedi temple planet where um luke was like hey here's your gift from mando uh, but i also have a gift for you too here is yoda's lightsaber right so luke asked grogu now you have a choice you can pick the uh, beskar chainmail mandalorian armor 
and then you'll continue your adventure with Mandalorian and with Din Djarin, or you can choose the lightsaber and you will be the first student of the Jedi Temple. Uh, wow, what a decision Grogu had to make because they cut the episode at the end. Um, Anabi, what do you think? What do you, what do you think? Uh, what do you think Yoda's gonna? Or sorry, um, Grogu's gonna do? So I, I immediately just said I was like, that's a tough decision. Um, I don't know. I think Grogu's gonna go with the Mandalorian. Okay. I okay. think he's gonna deviate from his path just like Ahsoka did. So. Ah, okay, and okay, a little bit of drama because he he had he sensed Mando because he saw the ship and he reached out and was wasn't that really emotional? Yeah. When he was reaching out that he wanted to see Mando. I have another guess. I think he's gonna maybe use the Force and um, both um, the lightsaber and Mando's male uh, armor will 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 levitate, si- signifying that he wants to be both. Uh, because oh. there there was actually a Mandalorian Jedi, um, and John Favreau, who played that Mandalorian, was a descendant of that first Mandalorian <laughs> um, Jedi. Talk about two powerful, <laughs> uh, you know, groups to be a part of. You know, you're, you're trained in the Mandalorian arts, you're trained in the Jedi arts. You have a lightsaber and a backpack. I mean, come on now. <laughs> and all the weaponry. I mean, no one's fucking with you, right? Um, but you know, I'm curious to see what happens. The, the show needs him to choose the Mandalorian so they can put him in more episodes. Like, You're right. That little dude is a cash cow. There's no way they're writing him off the show. That is absolutely a, a solid point. I how he survived to the Kylo Ren um, massacre. That yes. 25 years afterwards. That's a very good point. I saw that on my, my show, my YouTube show that I watched, because that's the planet that Kylo Ren right, yeah. wipes out, right? Yeah. So if Grogu's on that planet, he you know he might have gotten wiped out. So very good point. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. That happens is the season finale of Book of Boba Fett. That's next week. And of course, next week we'll be talking about the season finale. So that's then, guys. I, well, I'm really you guys excited. Have convinced me to go and move past uh, episode two, so okay, I will. Uh, I will catch up. Of, of Book of Boba Fett. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a slow start, man, wasn't it? Like it was. Walk Walk me through your feelings of the start of Boba Fett. Hold on. Oh come on! <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it was It was painfully slow, I, and. It's not that I need a lot of action or anything like that, but I need something to, you know, grab me with a little bit of intellect or just a great story. Don't just don't just drag me along. Oh, no, those I'm, I'm interested. Episodes. I'm interested in, you know, the history of Star Wars. I'm interested in that, but don't just don't string me along. I don't know. I, I feel like those early episodes, the first two or three episodes, Simi, were all about showing the characters that you love from Return of the Jedi in different light. Like, I mean, the Sand People, the the, the Tusken Raiders. I mean, we're seeing that they they have heart. They <laughs> they they're loyal, you know. <laughs> Even though they they wrap you up and try to slave you first, they eventually <laughs> they eventually uh, become your allies, and then. The Rancor. I mean, who knew that the Rancor, uh, you know, are very docile, but almost dog-like creatures that are very obedient to their owners, you know? Just things that, you know, that we learn about a lot of these characters, you know, the Gamorrean guards. I mean, they're loyal, too, you know? They could have been, like, 
you know, basically these green pigs that are just, you know, beasts, but uh, they become loyal too. So I don't know. Yeah. And I maintain that I can, I can be bored and still want to be a part of the series. So if you want to cast me in it, go right ahead. Oh, there you go. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, number nine, guys, is Ozark uh, season finale. Who here is an Ozark fan? Oh, uh, who yeah. here? Has everyone watched episode seven? Yep. Simi, yes? yes. All right, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> 77 million hours viewed in just three days of this Ozark. Um, and it's the so number good. one show on Ozark for that week. Um, and uh, wow, um, the subtitles called Clock Ticking. Um, basically, time is running out for everyone. And a lot of flashbacks to Marty and his plans to move to Chicago, which I guess they'll kind of, um, you know, um, answer why they're doing flashback. They're doing those flashbacks for now. But we we lost two major characters in in episode seven. Were you um, were you guys shocked to see the demise of Darlene Snell and and Wyatt? Not not so much shocked as. Uh... As I am just sad. Yeah, because Darlene's a pretty despicable oh, character, and when you're, I was, you're, I was ecstatic. <laughs> when you're when you're when you're just sad about one of the most disgusting, evil characters on all of television, then you know they're doing something with the writing, right? Yeah, right. I mean, it made for a great show. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And uh it's just amazing what they've they've done so far. But um Wyatt though, why I mean, first of all, first of all, why why was he why was he sleeping with Darlene? <laughs> I I realize it's a small town in the Ozarks, but goddamn why? Um yeah, right, like <laughs> but and then of course secondly, because he was associated with Darlene. You know, Navarro just blew his head off. You know, the uh, go. the nephew of Navarro, Javi. Gotta um, get got. He got got. And it's like, I don't know who the fuck you are. I'm sorry. At least he said sorry before shooting him in the head, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I'll tell you, man. Um, and then we finally see Omar Navarro um, had this meeting with the FBI and apparently... Uh, he's going to give them the information necessary to apprehend his nephew and neutralize the cartel entirely. I guess kind of a, a plea, a plea deal for him to have a, a lesser sentence. And uh, um, now all we're all we're left uh, with is, and answers that we need in the second half um, are what's going to happen now with Ruth. I mean, Ruth wants Javi dead, and I think Ruth will accomplish that. I think they're going to pay that off. Somehow they're going to pay that off. Yeah, um, I, think, we, I think Omar's dear deal disappeared. When the show was finishing, they were apologizing to Omar because he's in jail forever and screwed. The FBI made the deal with Javi. Okay, so the FBI, okay, so if the FBI, FBI made the deal with Javi, they're not going to they, they don't have intentions on arresting him. No, so they they made the deal with him for ten years, which is why they're going to leave Omar in jail. His deal was for five. Right. Whew. Wow, you're yeah. right, man. You're right. Yeah, so you're that, that's where right. you have the whole scene where they sit down. They're like, "We weren't trying to do this from the beginning," and he's like, "Fuck you." 
Holy shit. Well, in that case, that I, I blow your mind. It blew my mind, but I now I know that Ruth's gonna definitely I mean, did you see yep. the Ruth and the, the rage in her eyes? And she was just she is and I'll tell you guys, one of the best young actresses is is um Julia, Julia Garner. She is fantastic. She's just so good. So um um but yeah, so much, so much. And do you guys think that the Bird family is going to be okay from that opening scene in episode one. So they did it like, uh, you know, they're, I guess everything looked to be fine with the Bird family. They're, I guess they were moving. And of course, that crazy car accident where their van flipped, flipped over. And uh, I don't know. What do you guys think will happen there? Any guesses? Nobody, no, nobody, nobody has a guess. I, I, was, I totally forgot about that shit until you just brought it back up. Yeah, <laughs> I did not recall. <laughs> so they're gonna have to pay off that scene too. Um, I, I mentioned it last week, but I, I really believe that uh, either Marty and his wife are gonna die, or just, or just Wendy. Um, but the kids, I think, will be okay. I don't know. That just. Um, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see what happens there because I don't know. Someone also mentioned it could be like a dream sequence, but I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think it's it's just getting really super crazy, guys. Um, you can tell when it's dream sequence because they put that filtery stuff at the edge of the lens. Like they they leave no doubt, right? You know when it's not real. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. And they play some creepy music. There's like just off piano in the background for right. some reason. Like, oh, this is green. Now I, now I understand. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll drop one more before you, before we take our classic cut break. Um, Amazon Prime has um, dropped a teaser trailer of the boys animated series called Diabolical. So this is going to be an animated spinoff to the boys, which is one of my favorite superhero uh, shows. I mean, it's Great phenomenal. Um, but um, some of the actors that we voice in characters includes Aquafina, Michael Sarah, Don Cheadle, Chase Crawford, of course. Why not, right? Uh, who is the deep? <laughs> Kieran Culkin, Giancarlo Esposito, Elliot Grazer, Jason Isaacs, Kumail Nanjani, Justin Roiland, Seth Rogen, Annie Sandborg, Elizabeth Shue. Great to see her character back in animated form. I loved her. Kevin Smith. Anthony Starr, of course, Homelander, Nassim Pedrad, Simon Pegg, Keenan Thompson. He'll be voicing a character. Uh, Aisha Tyler are all going to be involved with Diabolical. So um, all episodes will actually drop on March 4th. So if you're a fan of the boys like I am, and, you know, I was like, ah, oh, animated, uh, you know, it seems it'll be uh, the way to go, especially after watching Invincible and being convinced that was like right. one of the greatest animated superhero um shows i've ever seen and that's great you know and if they're going to do the same for this boys anthology show i'm sold i think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal 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 um and uh number seven on the list let me drop one more um the tales of the walking dead cast has been announced um I'm looking forward to this uh, anthology because we could see some of our favorite characters return, like the governor, um, of course, Michonne. But they've announced some new characters, well, new actors that are portraying new characters, including 
Anthony Edwards, Parker Posey, Terry Crews of all people. Wow. Poppy Lou, Jillian Bell. They're going to be starring in the standalone episodes uh, for both new and established characters uh, for this Walking Dead anthology series. As you know, um, The Walking Dead is wrapping up with season 11. Um, Simi, are you a fan of the main show? So the the main show, uh, it, it's hard to keep watching people make stupid mistakes. But yeah. yes, I am a fan. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you enjoying the, com- the com- Commonwealth storyline and the Reaper storyline? Yeah. <laughs> it's been pretty exciting. I, um, of course, we only have two weeks to wait before, uh, before uh, part two. Of, of Walking Dead uh, comes out, so I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, for AMC Plus, you get um, the premiere on February 13th. But for everybody else, February 20th for the Part Two um, premiere. So um, I'm excited to see how it all ends. I really am. It's gonna be really cool. All right, so we're gonna take a classic cut break and uh, get to the top six. Um, and um, we're also gonna say goodbye to Anna B. Anna B. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been incredible and amazing. Um, I know you need your beauty rest. You're <laughs> recently uh, recovering from being sick, so we um, we appreciate you still coming on Below the Belt show. That was awesome for your insight, especially with Book of Boba Fett, because I, I need someone to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anna B. And uh, for all uh, the Anna B fans, can they follow you on your social media? Yes, they can. Uh, where where can they find you? Um, it would be the new villa, so N U E and then villa. Okay. <laughs> All right, Anna B. Thank you much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brett. Bye, Khaleesi. Okay. Bye, Khaleesi. Sun and stars. <laughs> Bye. And uh, Martin Lopez. Um, since it's your birthday week, I decided, hey, let's give you the classic cuts. <laughs> so uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce what we're going to be listening to for the classic cut? My flagship band is uh, Zeppelin, and I figured since it was my birthday, we'd pick a Zeppelin tune with some passage of time involved. So this is 10 Years Gone. 10 Years Gone. All right, guys. Well, we'll be back right after the classic cut that Martin shows, some Led Zeppelin, uh, for the rest of the the top 20 uh, entertainment. And uh, we have someone else new joining us. We'll introduce when we get back. So we will uh, see you guys right after the classic cut. All right. Yeah, that was the classic cut, guys. Wow, Led Zeppelin. And that's the also the birthday cut of the Once and Future King, Martin Lopez. Yeah, good tune. Yeah, was Led Zeppelin one of your favorites, uh, I guess? Yeah, my flagship band, easily. Flagship like, band. Yeah, you might you might not know this. Uh, I'm, I'm a decent guitarist. Like, I was part I of I know this. I've seen your of your Instagram you yeah, posts yeah, exactly. videos. I don't do it a whole lot anymore, but every now and then, you know, I get the itch. But, um, you know, as a guitarist, yeah. you try and emulate people and learn from it. And then, like, there was a lot of guitarists that I could play like. 
there was Jimmy Page just did some stuff I just couldn't do. Like it just wasn't in the wheelhouse. He's one like, of the that greatest. Was, that was the goal. Jimmy that is, Page. That that is a great uh, selection for the classic cut. And uh, we actually have a, a new uh, person joining us on the panel who was here with us last week, but uh, wanted to bring him uh, after bring him in after Anna B has left. You know, we got the eye candy, and now we have the Sith Lord joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sith Lord. Yes, Paul Darth Wallace joining us uh, on BTV for 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 the second part of the show. Um, we're just uh, f- uh, finishing up the top six of our entertainment news. We just got through the top fourteen, so uh, right. and of course, uh, Big Paul's going to stick around while I'm not sure if Simi or Martin are wrestling fans, but we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble. All right, let's get back to the entertainment. Top 20, number six, um, Paramount Plus is really um, pulling out the stops for content because they want to compete with Netflix and and Hulu and Amazon with all the big streaming, but they're not quite there yet. But here are some of the things you can see on Paramount's network, including um, Halo. They just uh, dropped another trailer, first look footage, which uh, will be dropping on March 24. Which is based on the Xbox games, which is based on the Xbox games best-selling yeah. first-person shooter games. It's gonna be epic, and Pablo Schreiber is gonna crush that. Pablo Schreiber, yes. Yeah, I had a beer with him uh, in L.A. After Did you? The Denethys Denethys premiere, yes. Yeah, really nice guy. So like, I'm like, so fuck, I had a drink with Master Chief. Look at that shit, dude. How cool. <laughs> Big Paul, you had a comment on Halo? Yeah, I mean, they were trying to do the movie for the last 20 years, and they just, just keep delaying it. Yes. Yes, but now we're, now it's a series, That's and uh, I think uh, it's really cool. They actually played Phil Collins in the air tonight, which we little, did a little snippet for our own Below the Belcher theme in the beginning. But uh, in addition to Pablo Shriver, uh, Natasha McElhone, oh, my God, she is gorgeous. Kate Kennedy, um uh, Bentley Kalu. I haven't really heard of any of these other names that are associated with this Halo project, but uh, I mean, the live a- action Halo project has been in development since 2013. Um, so yeah, it's been in it works for a long, long, long time, but finally it's going to come out. Um, also on Paramount, we're going to see um, a limited series called The Offer with Miles Teller. It's about the famous Hollywood producer Albert S. Ruddy and his attempts to get an adaptation of Mara Puzer's gangster classic um, off to Paramount. Okay. Um, and um, supposed to make its premiere on April 28th on Paramount Plus. So look out for that. Kind of like in the same vein as um, – um, what is that uh, movie? Uh, that... Is it like the making of uh, The Godfather, more or less? Yeah, it's the making of Godfather, which is also similar to the the making of that Orson Welles film. Um, oh, Citizen Cis- Kane? Citizen Kane, yes. That movie from last year. What is the title of that film? It, it escapes me right now, but uh, I guess it's a similar vein, you know. Um, also, Bob Odenkirk needs a new show because it's going to be done uh, uh, <laughs> Better Call Saul. He's got a comedy series at Paramount with David Cross. It's a docu-style, com- it's a docu-style comedy series called Guru Nation, uh, which will star Odokirk and Cross as rival cult gurus. 
Okay. Well, <laughs> didn't they have one before? I could be wrong. Another docu-style comedy series about. No, I mean, I think Bob and uh, David Crossbow had a show before. I could be. I mean, I, I could be wrong about that. Oh well, yeah, you were uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David. I think that's what you're thinking of, right? They were best yeah. known for the, that that sketch comedy series in the '90s. Yep. yep. So yes, they are. They're joining forces once again. So. Yeah, and they're interested in cults too. See, everybody, everybody digs it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paramount also has. Um, uh, doubling down on its 80s nostalgia uh, for a series based on John Travolta's Urban Cowboy. Um, and, um, and it's also a, a take on Flashdance, the 1980s classic Flashdance. Um, so a contemporary take on it. Okay. Um, so they're, they're doing two 80s revivals on Paramount. Um and even even a revival from um, the 70s is Greece, Rise of the Pink Ladies. This musical series will take place four years before the original Greece in 1954, before rock and roll ruled. So they're really going for the nostalgia route on Paramount Plus. Cash cow, man. Cash cow, man. A little now, too is much. That they rights for? Is that why they're doing it, maybe? Paramount Plus might have rights to those properties. I mean, Urban Cowboy yeah, Grease. That's what I'm like, why are you going to rent? Some of these properties are like old and just not thought of anymore. Right. Mm. Yeah. So if they have a way to revamp these properties and make Flashdance and Urban Cowboy and Grease, the rise of the Pink Ladies um, relevant again, then that, that should be pretty cool. And John Travolta's on the cheap right now. so Why is he on the cheap? Because his just career, cause, I mean, he, he just seems to be doing B movies at this point in time. He just yeah, yeah. I mean, remember Battle Battleship Earth? I mean, yeah, that, that, that kind of the, itself, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like basically the worst movie ever made, <laughs> supposedly. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, number five on the list is this new FX series called Fleshman is in Trouble. It's based on a novel of the same name, um, and it will stream on Hulu. But the cast is really awesome. So um, you have Claire Danes, you have Jesse Eisenberg, Lizzie wow. Kaplan, Adam Brody from the OC. I mean, these are really, uh, really great names that are going to be involved. Uh, basically, it, it centers on a recently divorced 40-something who starts using dating apps and enjoying his sexual freedom. All right. Before his ex-wife mysteriously disappears, leaving him with the kids. Wow. Jesus, his ex-wife seriously disappears. He's back on the dating apps, um, and wow, kid. stuck with the, stuck with the kids. Jeez. I love I love the premise of a forty-year-old just loving Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting take. <laughs> wonder, what, wonder what kind of swipe rights he's getting. I know, right? None for him, but he's swiping a ton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 I, I. And it's Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg's character is the one. Uh, so maybe he's getting some. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing Claire Danes is the the wife. Yep. Um. And I guess they're going to do flashbacks because the wife's missing. So they're going to flashback to. The current time period, and then fast forward back and forth is what I'm assuming. Well, I'm guessing um, what happened was she probably called him, and she just laughed. I mean, that's what I'm guessing the premise is. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, that's a big responsibility, taking care of the kids. Plus, he's got to get back on the dating app. So, you get leaving the man a lot to juggle. All before dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we're zipping through this list, guys. Number four um, is one of my guilty pleasures on reality television. Celebrity Big Brother that just announced the cast. And you couldn't come up with a better Z-list of quote-unquote celebrities for this cast. Uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Cynthia Bailey. Different Strokes, Todd Bridges. Todd Bridges, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is he on every one of those type of shows? He, is, like, he yeah. is like the go-to like Z-list celebrity. He's like celebrity player. rehab, celebrity big brother, celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, let's see, uh, Chris Kattan from Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> the least popular InSync member, Chris Kirkpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they're really, really like digging the bottom of the barrel for these guys. Uh, Queer for the straight guys, Carson Kressley. Uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Teddy Mellencamp, uh, former Miss USA Shana Mokler, um, also the ex of Travis Barker, figure skater Mariah Nagasu, and former UFC champion Misha Tate, <laughs> and, and NBA champion reality TV veteran Lamar Odom and the ex of um, Khloe Kardashian. Wow. He's totally going to try and sleep with Misha Tate. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. I can totally that shit a mile that. out. I know Lamar's swinging for Misha. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I can totally see that happening, man. <laughs> the prize is $250,000, which is interesting. On on the regular Big Brother, the prize is 500000 And they're giving yeah. these Z-list celebrities $250,000. Uh, granted, they don't have to be in the house as long as the regular season of Big Brother, but... I mean, they're celebrities. They should get paid oh, five hundred dollars. Are the Real Housewife people celebrities? I mean, they're just—they're no house. They are so circles. not celebrities in their circles. I mean, they—they they seem to be recognizable, yeah, in their circles. Right? I mean, I, I could see like an actor, a musician, or like even a wrestler, or a basketball player, or something. I mean, get Dennis Rodman in there or somebody. Right <laughs> in this in this world of the Kardashians. Uh, celebrities are redefined yeah okay. <laughs> that's true <laughs> that is very very true uh number three was uh all about snl um which opened with a political sketch um and it was president biden played by james austin johnson guys we finally have a good impersonator of both biden and trump and James Austin Johnson. He is absolutely brilliant. If you haven't seen him, um, he's just he's so good. He is so good. He's better than Alec for Trump. Jim Carrey did a decent one, but uh, I yeah, think he's this guy. up for me. Yeah, like, like Biden's not always on that much cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and an interesting segment was Peyton Manning talking about uh, the NFL uh, playoff uh, game weekend, uh, the AFC NFC Championship games. Uh, but he said that instead of watching the games, he ended up watching Lily Collins and Emily in Paris season two, which apparently was a big joke. Um, he said that he really didn't really watch the show. I was like wondering if he actually watched the show or not. But uh, he said that the show has everything, romance, adventure, sensuality, culture, and a fresh take on feminism. I'm like, yeah, I don't think Peyton Manning's actually saying this stuff. Man. <laughs> uh, but Number two, uh, just a little uh, quickie on um, the NFL championship games where we saw uh, the AFC championship, the Cincinnati Bengals, 
upset Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Um, this is their first Super Bowl since the late 80s, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, of course, wow, 47.8 million viewers watched the AFC Championship game, and uh, that was a hell of a game. I was really, I was really shocked to see um, the Bengals upset the um, the Chiefs. But you know what? You know, let's get another team. I mean, they haven't they haven't been in. I know they're a Ravens rival. But it's good to see the Bengals, you know, in in the Super Bowl. You know, we haven't seen that since the 80s. Um, So that's cool. Since he's having a great year, the the Cincinnati football team was the first non-Power 5 team to make the playoffs. They squeezed past Notre Dame for the playoffs since he's going to the Super Bowl. Like, Cincinnati's on fire sports-wise. Yep, exactly. And over on the NFC, Los Angeles Rams um, beat their uh, division nemesis, the 49ers. To the second team in back-to-back years to play at the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl is at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And last year's Super Bowl was at Tampa, Tampa Bay Bucks Stadium. So two Super Bowls in a row, you're going to have, um, yeah, a team, you know, home, a team that's going to be playing at home, which is wild. I mean, what are the odds of that happening, you know? I think that's just well, I don't just know. There's, there's like, what, four teams are playing Los Angeles right now? Well, they have. Well, yeah, they, they have the Rams and the Chargers. Seems like everybody wants to play in Los Angeles. That's like. Yeah, yeah, but um, of course, I'm really looking forward to the Super Bowl in two weeks. Of course, um, man, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar uh, will be um, headlining that halftime show. That will be pretty dope, and um, they're also going to have Air Force's uh, 75th anniversary year. Um, where um, they're going to have a flyover of the SoFi Stadium. Um, uh, that should be pretty cool as well. And actress Sandra May Frank will perform the national anthem and America the Beautiful. Um, so, um, and country artist Mickey Guyton will sing the uh, national anthem and Janine Aka will perform America the Beautiful. Okay, so. Okay, wow, that's the NFL. So speaking of the NFL, um, wow. So uh, looks like uh, Tom Brady is um, retiring. He officially announced his retirement from the NFL, stating that he's not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. Wow. Um, it's he's the greatest of all time, guys. He is. He's the goat. Um, I mean, he's forty-four, going on forty-five. I think he probably had two more good years, but I guess. I don't know. I, I can't see the Bucks doing as well no. uh, without Tom Brady. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I still think he still had a couple good years in him. I mean, usually yep. you retire when you when you've missed you know starting to miss steps. You know, like uh, he's he's still playing phenomenally. Yeah, you know, people nowadays are starting to retire while they can still enjoy yeah. their faculties. That's a very yeah. very very well, body still. Works. Yeah. yeah, he's got a supermodel wife. He still needs to bang. So and and thank goodness he came out to squash those rumors by uh, confirming that he was uh, retiring. Yes, <laughs> because it was a little back and forth, right? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the Washington football team is no more. The Washington okay. Commanders are—that's the new team, guys. Um, Cobra. What do you think of the yeah Cobra Commanders, right? I mean, I thought yeah, I, would, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. 
I nope. think they should have went with the red theme and like the red wolves or the the red coats or something. It could have been the redskins red. that put potatoes on my helmets. No, I think the redskins <laughs> definitely. I think the skins part had to go. Um, I know that they say it's it's cancel culture or whatever, but I think I think it's really really dated. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thing is that you know who named the team, right? Go ahead. The team was originally named by Native Americans. So the Native Americans actually called themselves the Redskins, and the design, the logo was designed by a Native American. So it's not really racist. Yeah, but do you think all the team the Redskins? Do you think contemporary? I don't think contemporary indigenous people um, want to refer themselves as Redskins. Maybe the people back then. But that's what they did. I mean, as I said, that's what they named their team. I mean, because they they named them after the Warriors from. Right. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the number one on my list and that's cancel culture for the week. And uh, of course the Redskins is about cancel culture and the new Washington commanders team. But uh, let's see Whoopi Goldberg, a uh, two week suspension uh, for remarks she made about the Holocaust. Um, apparently she said that the Holocaust wasn't a race issue. And she said by Ooh. being black, we talk about race. It's a very different thing to me. So I said I felt that the Holocaust wasn't about race. People got very, very yeah, angry. Because Israeli is a race. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, she, she must have not like she she's limiting it to skin culture. Yeah. It's right. Not, it's like no so, Israel is one so, of those things that's ethnic as well as religious, as well as a geo nation state. It's very right. unique. Right. Definitely <clears throat> ethnic. And by the old definitions where races were defined and people tried to categorize everything, everything was put into certain places. Mm-hmm. Israeli, uh, Hitler tried to categorize the Jewish people as the Jewish race um, and wanted to separate them. But when, when Whoopi was saying that, uh, she was ignorant of the fact that, you know, that the Jewish people want to be known that way as a people, and they have their ethnicity and culture to fall back on. But uh, by some of the newer definitions and the way that uh, race has been used in popular culture, uh, she went with that and uh, she actually apologized for it. And then she did uh, apologize. Yeah, yeah but her apology was like, I view race as people, white people. He, she said it was white people fighting white people, so that's not really an apology. That's just kind of. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, it was, it was more than we get from other people who should apologize yeah, right. to for things. Okay. <laughs> I mean that that's completely fair, but she was only canceled for two weeks, so she'll be yeah. back on the yeah. view. But I think but the view is canceled. Just... It's like a vacation. Whoopi Goldberg's not her real name. Her real name is Karen something. I forget what her, her real name. Oh, okay. So you think so the whole she even Goldberg is a, a front for for a black Jewish so, woman? So she canceled her real name. No, her real name is not Goldberg. Her real name is something else. Her real name is Karen. <laughs> yeah, something else. She, her, her surname. She can, her surname should have at least known the. Well, she did cancel her real name in in, in regards to what Sydney's saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess. Well, what about Joe Rogan? Now he's another. People are I don't know per se they're canceling him, but. Artists are canceling their music from Spotify because of Joe Rogan's yeah. COVID-19 stance. Um, they said he's been... Definitely trying to cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 saying, they're saying, get rid of that dude or we'll pull all our stuff. Like, they're totally trying to ruin his life. Which, um, 
man. I, 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 mean, don't, I don't think you can ruin his life just by uh, getting rid of his Spotify deal. He's 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 made his way up, right? Yeah. He has he has a really good. He's got really good conversations going with people. The problem is, is just like when you talk about the Holocaust, those subjects have to be approached with the utmost sensitivity and respect, right? And he has these one-on-one conversations with people that don't necessarily agree with the facts that are out there or Mm -hmm. the popular opinion. And it's just a one-on-one conversation. There's no dissenting views to to kind of temper that. And people hear that show, and if they go with that and react to it, then, you know, right now, it's a popular time to to not wear masks for certain people or not get vaccines. But well, some I, people I believe, can. Yeah, I, and I believe in, you know, there's personal choice. Uh, but uh, you, you also have to, you know, give people the appropriate facts so that they can decide yes very well so, said you know see your doctor first because i mean i i physically can't even if i wanted to because i mean if i got it i would be paralyzed or dead so it's like i can't i don't have a choice well yeah. that's that's what i mean i had blood work on and everything the doctor right. said do not get it under any condition so right but joe is spreading misinformation about no, he's, no, that's what he's, doing. He's, he's 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 putting in the, the problem is I think he's talking to people they don't want them to talk to. I think you should have all information out there. And if it is misinformation, it's missing. But the problem is that everybody's being so wishy-washy on everything. It's just, I think he's just talking to people and people need to hear both sides of the story instead of just being like, Hey, we don't like what they see we're hearing. Let's just turn it off. Well, he agrees yeah. to be more responsible about. Well, I, I'm not sure he's spreading misinformation, man. Like Joe's usually very well researched. He just doesn't agree with a lot of whatever. And yeah. he only has one guest on at a time usually, but he definitely has people in the show that he categorically disagrees with because he's interested in what they have to say. Uh, like I don't, I don't think he's being painted in a, in a positive light. So he's definitely but not. No, he, he, I mean, he, he's the regular guy who's talking to everybody. To get yeah, right. Story. And he said that everybody um, should do. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He have, also said that he was going to uh you know make sure that he was more informed about these topics going forward right uh, you saw his his uh it, i guess it wasn't really an apology but it was a i'm going to do better statement <laughs> right. yeah but uh he's, i still talking think... about the disclaimer right he's like you know like yeah. some people suggested you know put up there he's like i'm not a doctor put that thing up that that's fine like he's a pretty open-minded guy yeah but yeah, I, I think it... it's i think that the artist you know Deciding, hey, I don't want Spotify streaming money just because of that is a little over the top. Um, but if they're very strong, they're strong against what Joe said. The biggest name was Neil Young, and it's like Neil Young. Do people really care about Neil, Neil Young as much as they used to? It's like, uh, yeah, well, Joe we'll Rogan if, said he does. <laughs> <laughs> He's we'll like, see. I Neil Young. <laughs> we'll see if other artists uh, follow suit other than Neil. I mean, I mean Leonard, Leonard doesn't like him. There have been other artists, but yeah, Neil Young is probably the most prominent name on there that, that would make a difference. But uh, interestingly enough, Evangeline Lilly revealed on Instagram that she was among the protesters at a rally in D.C. opposing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. So she, she kind of got a little heat for that, I guess, because, I mean, that's going against the Hollywood uh-huh. sheep, you know, because uh, the Hollywood uh-huh. – Hollywood sheep kind of have to go with the the, the, the very liberal ideas for the most part. And, right. Um, I've seen those. Yeah, she seems like an outlier. Um, 
say, uh, I mean, canceled. <laughs> being at coming back on that, it's like I kind of agree with her. I mean, it's like what you need to do is you shouldn't have mandates for a vaccine that doesn't cure or stop the spread of the COVID. I mean, if it cured or stopped the spread of COVID, I'd be like, they should they should go all in for it. Even if I can't get it, I mean, that's fine. But I mean, if it doesn't actually stop the spread or actually cure, you shouldn't have to force people to get it. Just like what's going on in Canada, the 50,000 oh. trucks, I think, right, those people can't even go to Walmart. I, 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 see, I see what you're saying, but it, the, the vaccine... The, Definitely, but it doesn't stop the spread, and it doesn't stop the it doesn't again cure. very very sensitive subjects, and that's like saying you know don't get the flu vaccine because it don't keeps changing it. every year. Doctor, right? make make your own medical decisions, but to force somebody to get it and like punish them for not getting it, it's like I think that's wrong. I think everybody should have the right to choose. And as I said, if it stopped the spread or cured it, I would say hey. That's something that should be enforced. But if it's not doing that, why are we so, why are we getting worse on it? It just makes no sense at all to me. Well, yeah, be, I, I'm, I'm I mean, vaccinated. Medically, I can't get it either way. So it's like I would have to get signed, signed off on anything I do. But you shouldn't have to punish people for something that doesn't stop other people from getting it or doesn't stop. Well, we, we mentioned this, Paul, last week. You're an actor and you want to be on set. And there's a lot of you know, vaccine, COVID-19 mandates for working on set. Yeah, so, and I'm fine to I'm, get tested. I'm fine to wear a mask. I'm fine with all that stuff. But you shouldn't have, but forcing people to get a medical procedure that doesn't stop other people from getting it really does not make any sense at all to me. Yeah, like, with all the... Yeah, even, all, even really effective, like I'm vaccinated, but I'm against the government forcing any type of procedure on yeah. anybody. Like bodily autonomy has to exist. So as frustrating that is, like we live in a society like I, you know, if you were asking me to design a government, never in there would be forces medical procedures on citizens like that's that's dicey. So pro vaccine. Yeah, there's, there's a bad history of that. Already. Yeah. Especially with the new data coming out, because I think initially we all thought this vaccine would stop the spread. But even now we're getting initially, initially, like you just can't you can't. Yeah. Nothing should happen to anybody's body they're not comfortable with. It's very akin to rape. So even if the medicine was phenomenal, I still wouldn't support forced yeah. inoculation. Right. Well, we were veering away from entertainment, but let's go ahead and wrap up the entertainment uh, with our rest in peace shout outs. Uh, for those no longer with us, includes a very, very sad, sad story of Miss USA's Chelsea Christ, who uh, died in a suicide in Manhattan at the young age of 30. She jumped from a 60-story building where she was a resident of the ninth floor. Wow, she won Miss USA three years ago, guys. For, I'm from North Carolina, um, and um, she was yeah. actually a, a correspondent for Extra, mm -hmm. entertainment host. And, uh, man. Yeah, by all district, she was doing great, right? Yeah. She looked happy, so she's like the poster girl for what you see on social media is bullshit. Exactly, because like her page was super stoked and successful, and she obviously wasn't happy. And right, it's, it's, that's it's what mental that. health is is super important, and uh, you know, you got to take care of yourself and reach Absolutely. out for help when you need it. Absolutely, very well said. <laughs> and uh, also, we lost um, Howard Hessman from the WKRP in Cincinnati show and head of the class. Um, he died from complications of colon surgery. So um, he was a, a veteran actor um, that was really, really well liked. 
Also, martial arts expert Bob Wall, known for playing henchman O'Hara in Enter the Dragon. Um, uh-huh. Passed away at the age of 82. Uh, Carlton Carpenter, stage and screen star, uh, who appeared alongside Debbie Reynolds in Summer Stock, that passed away. Uh, Catherine Cates, veteran film, television, theater actor, known for roles on Seinfeld, Orange and New Black. Many cents in Newark had died at the age of 73. And, of course, with uh, Death We Celebrate Life, for those celebrating their birthday today on Wednesday, um, February 2nd, Brent Spiner from Star Trek Next Generation. Happy birthday, 73. Well, he's um, older than that. Robots, uh, what is he, like 500 years old? As right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's a legend in Star Trek lore. Christy Brinkley is 68. Christy Brinkley. Really? Wow. Have you seen what she looks like? She still looks decent for her age. She looks phenomenal for her age. She's 60. I mean, she's way into senior citizen status. Still Uh looks amazing. Um, Let's see. We also have um, comedian Adam Ferrara, 56. Uh, Actress Marissa Janet Winokur is 49. And um, Shakira. Shakira, Shakira is 45. Really? She's uh, I thought she was much younger than that. I, yeah, she's getting oh, up I, there, isn't she? She's really getting up there. She's immediately older than I am. That's weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she's still hot as fuck. Though, right? Fucking weird. <laughs> and uh, Zosia Mamet from Girls is 34. That's birthdays today. So uh, um, I guess at this point, we're going to say goodbye to um, Martin Lopez, the birthday boy, and, birthday. and Simi, Thanks, Simi Terrell. Yes, um, right. The man in front of the camera, the man behind the camera, he does it all. Uh, any um, show. any all any right. uh, shameless plugs? Oh, so I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. So I totally booked uh, a new movie. Okay. But I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the project yet. So my plug is there's totally this other plug coming later. Oh, he, I can okay. say this about it. Have you seen my new Challenger? No. Me and the car in the movie together. So they, they put us oh. both in the project. Yeah. I'm- Oh, wow. They use your car in a project. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, my car's ridiculous, so I'm excited about hey, it. Is it Yeah. But the paint job is close to the Speed Racer Mach 5, so it is a famous car. <laughs> nice. Simi, do you have any uh, anything to promote or push uh, out there? No plugs right now, but uh, as you know, Sundance just, uh, just wrapped up. We're yeah. looking forward to maybe going next year. Uh, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. With our friends that click on this TV, let's hope so, man. Well, uh, yeah. Simi and Martin, thank you so much. Happy birthday, Martin. Thank Happy you. Happy birthday. All right, Thanks Martin, I'm going to follow you on social. Awesome. I'll follow you back. All right. All right. So, Simi and Martin are peacing out. And peace. Peace out, guys. And Big Paul and I, we're going to continue to talk about the world of WWE, um, which. Uh, you know what? I was like, we got to get Big Paul on to talk about the Royal Rumble. Who's going to talk about Royal Rumble with me? Um, as this particular... Somebody else who's in the wrestling. <laughs> You're the only one, bro. Um, so let's talk about the Royal Rumble card this past Sunday, guys. Uh, we already announced the card last week, so let's just talk about the surprise entrance. Because we had surprise entrance in both the women's and men's Royal Rumble match, and then we'll got talk it. about our thoughts on it. So in the women's Royal Rumble match... The surprise entrance were Melina, Molly Holly, Ivory, Sonia Deville, Cameron, Alicia Fox, Sarah Logan, Sasha Banks, 
And last but not least, the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble, who will challenge either Charlotte Flair or Big Time Bex, is none other than Ronda Rousey. Big Paul, how do you feel about Ronda back in WWE? I think that's great. I mean, people have been looking forward to having her back in a long time. I mean, and she had, I mean, I don't think, I think she had a good run the first time. But now that she's been around for a little bit longer, I mean, I think she can actually, people get to know her a little bit more personality-wise. And I think they could do a better storyline with her. Yeah. Um, And uh, it seems like her boobs are bigger. Did you notice that? Oh, I don't know if it's from recently uh, giving birth to her baby or. I think that's what I it is. When you just have a kid, I think that's what happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I read someone, uh, yeah, Rhonda came back with two friends. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We didn't see that interaction with Rhonda and um, her good buddy, um, Shayna Baszler, in, in the Rumble. I thought we were going to get. Yeah. Um, some team ups, some interaction, but no, it didn't seem like they were. Uh, they didn't uh, have an interact much, which I was really surprised to see. Well, I, I think they were just trying to get her in there as a surprise, and they just wanted her to look more dominant. But if she had somebody help her, I think it, she wouldn't look as dominant. Good point. Good point. But they're, they're they are two of the four horsewomen, uh, as they yeah. claim to be you know, in that that. Uh, but you know, I, I thought it was a very entertaining um, Royal Rumble, and it was great to see some great names in the you know, uh, from the past and still working really well. Like Alicia Fox, you know, um, she had been released from WWE, but she still worked Is a very, because wasn't that the issue? Then she had, that like was out. the issue with Alicia Fox is that she had, uh, wrestled a match intoxicated or something like that, which is a no, no, you're not supposed to do yeah. that. I mean, back in the ECW days, you had Sandman. Oh yeah. They, they used to <laughs> and just then, ask course, Scott Hall. And then, well, and then, and then Stone Cold did it too, but the Stone Cold waited till the end of the match at least before yeah. he did it. Um, but uh, um, you know, I mean, the thing was is like there's not enough regular roster women. Yeah. In the, in the, you know, they're not going to pull too many for NXT, so they brought back oh, a well, lot the of the legends. Was, uh, they, they wanted Melina back for a while, so I wonder if she's going to stick. And um, you know maybe what, Melina had one of the sexiest entrances and I'm so happy that they started with that split entrance, you know, and she kind of was like, you know, grinding on the mat. But there was rumors she... that she was getting in shape and uh, like, she wants to wrestle again. So maybe to keep her around a little she bit. She wasn't I mean, a hundred percent peak shape, but she looked good. She looked good. You know, I mean, uh, someone way too old. like uh, we've got to mention Ivory. She's pretty old. And you also had, uh, I mean, Molly Holly, I think, is too old, but I mean, <laughs> well, there's a lot of women that, that that are older, but they can still work a match. And let's yeah. let's talk about Lita because um, well, Lita yeah, Lita not only uh, performed well in the Royal Rumble, she she challenged um, big time Bex for the Elimination Chamber, which um, is going to be really exciting. But we'll get into that a little bit. Um, and and the, the, the we mentioned uh, about the Forbidden Door, Vicky James, you know, current Impact's champion, actually. Entered in the uh, to the ring, walked to the ring with her Impact Knockouts Championship, which I was uh, very surprised to see her actually wear, wear the belt. You know, I think that's a good idea though, because uh, WWE, since they got rid of all that talent, if you can pull from other organizations and just share a little bit, I mean, they used to do it with Japan back in the day, so yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, plus we don't know where Braun Strowman's going to wind up or Bray Wyatt. I mean, bring them back mm-hmm. to a match here and there, and it's like, yeah. Um, Sarah Logan was a surprise. Um, I didn't expect yeah. to see her back, but we didn't oh, see too. 
We yeah, and we didn't see too much of an interaction with Sarah and um and Liv Morgan because you know they were in the Riot Squad together. Um, and of course we're not gonna see any AEW talent on WWE for that Forbidden Door. It's just not gonna work. But I'm happy to see Ronda Rousey win. Um, just bring some eyes back um to the product again. And do you have a preference whether to see Ronda challenge Big Time Bex or Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania? I think I'd rather see Big Time Bex because I mean Charlotte Flair and Ronda's kind of ever done. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think that 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 has a lot of unfinished business right there. So I I would tend to agree with you there. Um, let's go to the men's Royal Rumble match. So um, the surprise entrance, where um, Drew McIntyre, which uh, I thought he was hurt, which was great. Yeah, Ridge Holland, who was Sheamus's new buddy. Yeah. Ricochet, Shane McMahon. That's right. Um, you hear rumors about him? I heard he just got fired. You know, it's crazy because he is the son of the chairman. So I read that. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but I don't know if it's true or not. But I mean, how can the head. son of the chairman of the board of a company fire their own son? Well, what I think <laughs> he got, I think he sold off his shares from what I understand. And it's like, I think he was working under a contract. So I guess if he was acting up or didn't like what he was doing, I guess they had the right to do that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe um, it's not the case. I mean, maybe it's just hearsay, but it was a big pop. You know, when he when he did this, his little shuffle into the ring, and here comes the money. It was really really cool. Um, another surprise interest was Bad Bunny, uh, which was amazing. Uh, the dude can work. You got to admit, for all the celebrities have done wrestling, and we saw Johnny Knoxville, and he didn't really. Yeah. You know, he was all well, about Bad promoting. Bunny, Jack. I guess because last year, I guess that he got himself trained. Maybe he's yeah. better. Oh, absolutely, because he did a great job in that tag match, you know, um, against um, you know Miz and John. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, Bad Bunny was was a surprise, and I'm wondering if he'll have some involvement in WrestleMania. I would hope so. Uh, but yes, the surprise entrance was real, really not a surprise much. Uh, is Brock Lesnar um, not only the, the you know the surprise entrant, but also um, the winner of the Royal Rumble. So um, he already announced on Raw, Brock will be challenging Roman Reigns. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that was the original idea, but I think something, yeah. I think when things went bad with the last uh, championship, they had to give it to Brock just to kind of fill it. And yeah. then he had to dump it and then go back to the original story where. Yeah. And, and, so and, Brock Lesnar winning the Rumble probably has to do with the WWE Championship, which we'll talk about. Bobby Lashley defeated Brock Lesnar due to interference from Roman Reigns to become the new WWE champion. And because of that, you know, now that he no longer has the WWE title, he can now challenge um, uh, the universal champion. But if you watched Raw, Brock did mention that he would love to be WWE champion once again and have a champion versus champion match, which we'll get into a little bit um, with Elimination Chamber. Uh, we also saw Becky Lynch um, retain against Dewdrop for the Raw Women's Championship. See, I, I um, thought that was a throwaway match, to be honest with you. Uh, probably not the caliber of the of a Royal Rumble match, right? Um, but what was a lot of fun was the Edge and Beth Phoenix match versus the Miz and Maurice. That was a fun mixed tag match. Um, I predicted Beth would defeat um, Maurice, but we actually saw Edge pin the Miz. 
while Beth uh, was about to pin Maurice, but they just counted the Miz's uh, um, shoulders to the mat first. Um, really fun match. And of course, we saw Seth freaking Rollins uh, beat Roman Reigns by DQ. Of course, he doesn't win the championship. That doesn't change hands. Right. That does not change anything. But I feel some unfinished business with Roman Reigns uh, and Seth Rollins. Uh, but this this leads me to the, the next pay-per-view before WrestleMania. They have one more stop at the Elimination Chamber in uh, Saudi Arabia. And they just announced all six participants for the WWE Championship, and these are all Raw uh, superstars. Well, I heard it was going to be Shane, but they took Shane out. That's why I'm thinking he, he is fired, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know about that. I I don't think Shane. They said wants... the original storyline was having Shane in there. Whether Shane put himself in there or not, I don't know. I don't see that. I don't think Shane, Shane is just there for for the big pops and the big gimmick matches and just to to have a match at WrestleMania. He he's not going to be in the WWE title picture. Sure, he can be in it, but yeah. I don't know. But we do have participants. So we have uh, Bobby Lashley, who is now the champion from defeating. Um, Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar decided to enter in the Elimination Chamber. So that could lead to a champion versus championship match. With Seth Rollins, deservedly so. AJ Styles. And this one I'm kind of upset about. Austin Theory upset Kevin Owens. This is Vince McMahon's like pet, you know, yeah, yeah. and I still feel he's he's a good worker. I still feel feel like he needs a lot of development, and to put him in the world title picture is just a little too premature. Well, in my see, that, that's what Vince does, though. I mean, look what he did with Drew McIntyre. Remember, he brought Drew McIntyre out when he was like the three and B guy, and said, "Hey, this is going to be the future champion of the WWE." When Drew wasn't ready, I mean, right. Drew's ready now, but I mean, he Drew wasn't. is definitely ready now. That's for sure. I mean, back um, then. Huh? Just a skinny guy. He was part of three MB. It's like right, but he put on a Vince ton of muscle, and him. now he's he looks like a main eventer now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, though this is interesting. The last participant is Riddle. Now Riddle, apparently from what I read in the sheets, that Riddle was considered to win the Royal Rumble and um, possibly have Randy Orton challenge him because we're, let's face it, we're going to see Riddle versus Orton at WrestleMania. We just don't know yeah. at what capacity. But I thought what would be cool if, if Riddle did win that Elimination Chamber, you know, which of course Bobby would lose the title. That would put a lot of stake into the Riddle versus Orton match at yeah. WrestleMania. That would give it a lot of like main event potential. That way. Yeah, I think that would be a good match. Yeah, yeah. So, but then of course, what if Bobby Lashley retains? What great match can we see Bobby at WrestleMania? I mean, I guess we could see Bobby versus Edge, like the Spear versus Spear. Um, we could see Bobby versus um, Seth Rollins. Bobby I'm not sure. Goldberg. Yeah, I don't know which way they're going with it, but um, we'll just have to wait and see what they do with it. Um, also, um, Lita is challenging Becky Lynch, big time Bex, for the Raw Women's Championship. Expect Becky to retain. I mean, you there's know, no. Why is Lita not fighting a Beth Phoenix? You would think she would like go after like the wife of the guy you used to go out with. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Are you are you alluding to the affair Edge had with uh, Lita? With, with Lita the, live, yeah. the live sex yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so now we have WrestleMania. So this is going to be uh, taking place in 
Dallas, and now it's like after Royal Rumble, what are we going to – the only confirmed match now that we have is is Brock versus Roman for the Universal Championship. So uh, I still feel like there's a lot of uh, – a lot of uh, – Storyline. Well, there's a lot of building. you got to build uh, some great storylines to make compelling matches because um, – I can see Ronda versus Becky Lynch. I can see Brock versus Roman. But what else can we expect on the card? I think it's still too early to tell, you know. But we need – it's a two-night event. Again, WrestleMania is going to be two nights. So, you know, expect a fantastic – I don't know if I like that. Like, I mean, I'm, I know they want to do the whole week thing where they do the Hall of Fame one day and then the right. awards one day. But it's like – I don't like the two night thing. I think they sh- it should all be done in one night. Maybe well, it gives a lot of more, uh, you know, superstars a chance to shine, have the entire roster instead of like, I mean, they have the Andre the Memorial Memorial Battle Royal, which is where they put everyone yeah. that's left over, but and they're still gonna have that. But yeah, I I do feel it it does it does gives does give the chance of superstars to shine, but. Um, I don't know. We'll just have to see, wait and see what happens. But I'm excited to see. Um, but yeah, that's all. Scary versus Brock. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I have for the world of wrestling, man. Um, haven't been uh, keeping up with AEW as much as I would have liked to have. But what's been going on exciting in AEW that we that, that you've seen lately? Well, uh, uh, Moxie's coming back. I mean, he's I supposedly he's fighting a. I think what's his name? Who they just got rid of? WWE just got rid of um, Kendrick, so apparently he's fighting Kendrick this week. Oh, Brian Kendrick. Okay. Brian Kendrick. I, I thought he because the WWE used him as a writer, so I don't know. No, he he was a he was a trainer because I remember seeing him on uh, the Total Divas show training, <laughs> training the women. Yeah. So I don't know, uh, but anyways, that's all I have, Big Paul. So uh, of course uh, tonight I did a pre-recorded interview. Uh, to close out the show, um, this is with actress Emma Horvath. She's going to be a household name come September because she's one of the actresses in The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which, of course, she cannot talk about yet because they're not in the promotion stages. She was promoting a movie called Who Are You People, which is a great, uh, really dark family drama that stars Devin Sawa, Alyssa Milano, Yardley Smith. Uh, great cast, a really great film, which is a part of the Mammoth Film Festival. And I interview Emma Horvath and the director and writer Ben Epstein. So that's going to close uh, tonight's show, Big Paul. So uh, we'd like to thank, of course, uh, our our panel for BTB, starting with the lovely Anna B, Cosplay Extraordinaire, yep. the birthday boy, Martin Lopez, the once and future king, the last Minorian. And for his first time on BTB, Simi Terrell. Uh, Simi did a fantastic job. Simi as much as he does. Yeah, first time having Simi on. So it was great to have him on. And um, Paul Darth Wallace, thank you for joining us on BTB. I am a fifth lord. (laughs) And I'm Al Celebrity Soto. All right, guys, we will see you next week. So here's our special interview, our special guest, Emma Horvath and director Ben Epstein to close out tonight's show. We will see you guys next week. Until then, peace. Special interview time here on Below the Belt Show. We are so excited to welcome from this amazing film called Who Are You People? 
We have a writer, director, producer, Ben Epstein, and we have actress extraordinaire, Emma Horvath. Thank you for uh, joining us here on BTB today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, uh, loved the film. Wow. What a dysfunctional family drama uh, <laughs> that we're seeing here. Um, and um, what I love, it's, it's um, when I saw the credits, it's fictional. So um, uh, I guess anything that's um, referenced to other people is purely coincidental. But I was curious, Ben, is, is that the case? Or were any of your, uh, the characters that you wrote in the script, uh, you know, based on anyone you know, maybe that's going through similar uh you know, issues or things of that sort? Well, to be honest, this this movie really did kind of come out of my imagination. I think the, the core themes in it are probably real, but none of the plot stuff has any kind of bearing to anyone I know, except little details here and there. Like I remember a friend when I was in high school saying, I'm having this weird vibe with my English teacher. Sometimes we have lunch together, but you know, it never turned into what happens with Alex and her English teacher. Um, I think that more it comes more from the place of having been remembering what it was like to be a uh, 16 and and realizing that my parents were also people and that navigating the complexities of, of their adult world felt like I was unraveling some sort of, I guess, emotional mystery. But the idea of coupling that with a literal mystery that Alex has to solve in the film, that's a totally made up what would happen if this thing kind of story so that that's how that those that came about now the, the whole movie is is very much fictional but hopefully will feel real uh mostly due to people like emma giving great performances so yes emma phenomenal phenomenal performance you're such an amazing actress uh, tell us uh, about how you got involved with the project and um i guess we initially read the script uh how how did that go over for you um, well, the email came from my agent and it was kind of like a last minute audition. It was like a 24 hour turnaround, which, which sure. isn't, isn't very normal. Um, I remember being very tired because I had been working, <laughs> work, working all day and then being like, I have to read this script. <laughs> uh, but I read it super, super fast. And I remember being like kind of manic up in my up in my room, like until two or three in the morning, kind of like reading about it and, and thinking about it and being like, Ooh, I think I actually like, I think I get this girl, this character. Um, so there was definitely like an immediate excitement there. Um, and then I, yeah, I sent, sent Ben a tape, um, and then FaceTimed with him, I think like next day and he had some notes and then I redid it again. And then, then had the job um yeah Yeah, emma did i gave her some adjustments it was more like as soon as we saw the tape everyone was clear that this was a person with enormous ability and talent and that was a a sort of true actor and then i said okay well let's just hope that she can take adjustments because you know some people are really good in auditions but you don't know if they can if they can pivot or move with it and then when we got the second tape in I remember I was in the production office in Portland and we were doing a bunch of things and we were like, the tape came in and people gathered around to watch because I, we sort of knew Emma was the girl we were going to make an offer, or the, she's not a girl, but the, the actor we were going to make an offer to. And, and we, uh, and within about like five or 10 seconds, I didn't, I didn't make, I think I made it through the first line and said, we're, we're, 
we're going to call her agent. We're offering her the part because like there was no there. I saw what a complete adjustment she had made and they and both her original version and the adjusted versions all felt honest. She just kept she just completely got the character and it was beautiful to watch for me with the character having lived in my head for so long. That was so wonderful to see her become a flesh and blood person who could surprise me. Wow. Well, very complex character in Alex. Emma, did you um, know about anyone that was maybe going through similar issues to Alex uh, with um, trying to know their their biological uh, family, um, dealing with um, teachers that may be inappropriate <laughs> and things of that sort? <laughs> um, luckily, no teacher stories. I, I have someone that I'm, I've been very close to for, for most of my life who's adopted. And, and uh, so I, I know some of that secondhand um, pretty, pretty well. Uh, the, the sort of pain of, of, of always wondering um, where you come from and how much of an influence that has on your current behavior and, and what your future is like, uh, whether you're doomed to repeat certain <laughs> certain things or, or rise, rise above them or change change uh, sort of the path you may have been set on. Um, yeah, that's... Okay. And do, do you feel, uh, Ben, that this was a part of why Alex was flirting with her English teachers because she kind of missed that uh, father figure that she didn't get with her stepfather, perhaps? Ooh. I think that that's a pretty... I think that there's a couple things going on with that. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, I think that there's a certain need an impulsive neediness in Alex to connect with people and she wasn't really getting the connection with her mother or her father she has like one friend really and and that I think she just really wants to feel connected to someone and she's also curious and 16 and scared of sex but also intrigued by sex and you know there's a, a line that we wrote long after the movie had wrapped which is a throwaway line that her friend says in a line of ADR where she says, you need to have sex with someone and get it over with, or I don't know, get your mom to hug you. And, um, <laughs> and that was kind of pointing like, I, I, I liked that Nancy had a little moment of insight into Alex because I think that that is accurate. If, if she was getting, if she was more connected to her family, she probably would feel less need to be impulsive, but she's curious about, about intimacy and, and, he seems like the safest place to pursue it until the teacher's not the safest place. And she's like, what am I doing? This is a grown man and I'm 16. Right, right. Wow. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I guess the, when the parents came to save the day, so to speak, I mean, that was a sigh of relief because um, uh, he probably could have lost his job teaching. Oh, yeah. He definitely did. lost his job. He did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Phone calls were made. He lost his job. Yeah. <laughs> right. Of course. Well, let, let's talk about the rest of this cast because uh, you're uh, working with some great veteran actors, Alyssa Milano and Devin Sawa, uh, Yeardley Smith. Um, my goodness, uh, John Ailes. Um, tell about. Uh, tell us about. Uh, you know, putting together this cast. And Emma, if you could t also talk about um, how you uh, how was it working with these great. Uh, Great names that I just mentioned. Well, do you want uh, Emma to go first, or would you want me to tell you how they got there? <laughs> okay, let's let's start let's start with Ben. <laughs> okay. Um. So, um, Devin was the first person we cast. Uh, this, the, you know, we 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 were trying to make this movie for a really long time, and we had raised yeah. just enough money to make it without actor attachments. So 
we had, you know, breakdowns were released. That's how um, Emma came across the project. And we made an offer to Devin based on me looking at his tapes. And at first I was told he liked the project and he was interested. And then I was told he couldn't do the project because he had to be available for pilot season. So I, I DM'd him on Instagram and said, I'm the guy who wrote the script that I heard you liked. Will you please talk to me? <laughs> and he said, yes. So I kind of like got him excited about, about the script, which he, which he really did like. And got him to come onto the project. And then uh, Alyssa was the last person to join. Um, she, you know, uh, CAA was helping generate names and uh, I, she was like a sort of dream cast for me. I didn't know we would be able to, I didn't know that she would consider doing an indie like this, but we were so lucky to get her. Uh, you know, John and, and Peter Yardley were all people whose work I was familiar with and said, to our, our, you know, our producers and casting. They said, well, we can ask and we can see. And Yardley was already a producer of the movie. So we knew that she was, uh, she was actually the first person who came on before Devin. So I remember you're working with some, some great um, veteran talents in Alyssa and Devin and, and Yardley. Uh, tell, tell us about uh, your experience working on set with them. Um, and yeah, I mean, these are just great acts. And, and just how did you play off of them as well? Um, yeah, Devin and I, I think our, our onset relationship was similar to the one on screen where it's like, uh, we, we, we met and then started shooting pretty much immediately. So there was a bit of like, Oh, I don't, I don't know you that well. Ah, I see. It's like, it still happens in the movie. And then, and then by, by like the third week where we were like teasing each other and, and stuff. So it was, it followed the same progression. And then Alyssa. Yeah. Alyssa and John, you know, came for like the very tail end of the shoot. Uh, and of course that relationship is a lot more cold. So it was kind of, it was nice to have, um, it, that was also parallel to, to, to the relationship in the movie. And then oh. Yardley's like my, my long lost aunt. <laughs> like, he's so nice to be on, on, on set. And then uh, we shot like right before the pandemic started, like things started shutting down, like it's day after we we wrapped, um, and so Yardley, I, I we would like Marco Polo each other through through like the the the, the darkest moments I think of quarantine. So yeah. I'm oh very, wow. Very grateful for having met her on this. Well, wow, really quick though, you, you shot right before the pandemic and the world shut down in March of 2020. I'm guessing. Ben, how relieved were you that you had finished your project right before oh, all God, that? Oh, God. There's no words. I mean, <laughs> we finished shooting this movie on March 7th, and then we had a wrap party on March 8th where it's all like a different time where we're all piled into a karaoke room and people are just yes. like hugging each other and stuff. And my wife had told me um, that she's like, you know, there's going to be like – the world's going through some stuff right now. I'm like, it's fine. We got to get these shots. And then the movie was done. I got back to Los Angeles, slept for a few days, and then woke up and like everything was closed and there was no toilet paper. So I would say that <laughs> that um, I, I, was, I was flabbergasted by how lucky we were not to have pushed the shoot a week or two, which we had talked about doing at various points. You know, if we had pushed even a day, I don't know if we would have finished this movie. So, um, yes, COVID completely 
was not an issue during the shooting and that was the thing that dominated the entire post-production process. You know, I was never in a room with my editor. I still haven't met my composer in real life. It's a really weird uh, wow. thing. Oh, the stars were aligned for sure. Uh, sure. Talk to us about the shooting locations. Is a uh, majority shot in Portland, Oregon? It was all shot in and around Portland, yes. Uh, nice. We decided to, you know, the, the important thing for, I think, the story was that there be a urban environment where she's from and a more small town Americana Norman Walkwell environment where she goes. And luckily, Portland was uh, available to, I had shot something there before. So we had, we kind of knew the city a little bit. We knew some of the crews and we were able to make Portland really feel urban in that way. And then we were able to shoot in a few different towns and made a fake town and said it was in Washington so that it would feel further away, but really it was in Portland. And uh, we, we were able to just find a bunch of locations, some of which, some of which are not actually the locations that you might think they are like, like uh, Carl and Carl's garage where they um, find the art supplies and where he does the boxing and stuff that was actually connected to the house where Arthur um, Alex's sort of friend slash semi love interest was that that was actually part of the same location things like that we did a lot of uh, a lot of bait and switch but I hope I don't think anyone can tell in the movie yeah that's great I think there's just I've been to Portland and I know how how vast and diverse it can be and uh, perfect setting for for the small town feel, uh, but yeah. you got a vast, vast space at the same time. For sure. So that, that's very, very cool. Well, um, I'd like to talk about some, uh, I guess, some plot points of the movie. I don't know if we can, but <laughs> just um, especially some of the things that happen in the end. Um, but mm -hmm. maybe we can uh, let the audience know that if you don't want to know certain plot points, please uh, watch Who Are You People? And then, uh, and then uh, of course, uh, um, come back to it and listen to it later. But um, uh, going through, um, what was going through Alex's mind at the end? What, can we talk about that? Um, uh, when um, Carl has his father in a headlock, he had punched him several times. The sheriff appears, and um, Alex comes to the rescue. And uh, uh, you know, I, I thought the editing, editing that point at that point was very brilliant. Uh, and to come back to it later was really, really nice to see how that all went down. But uh, um, I was just curious on on where Alex's mind was on after learning about, obviously, you know, this was came, very, to came to be was very, very traumatic for her mom and herself. But at, at the end, um, I guess still had some emotional attachment to her father. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a moment of, of, forgiveness on some level. Um, I don't know if it's total yet, but it's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a moment of, of being there for someone who's, who's your flesh and blood, uh, despite maybe what, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's very, it's very hard to talk about in an articulate way because it's, it's fraught with a lot of, uh, ethical questions. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this but movie yeah, isn't really. A, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. It's an olive branch on on some level. Um, sure. I think that she, uh, when she, I mean, Emma does such an amazing job of getting there, and she, you know, the, when she says "don't," she's really like "don't, don't die," and I think that that is coming from a very primal place. But I think that the sort of, as Emma said, the ethical questions of whether or not this person is going to be in her life 
are mm -hmm. different ones. We actually edited that. Se the sequence is actually quite different in the film than it was originally scripted and the way that it was originally cut. And we we changed it a lot. The idea that you see them hug not till the very end in the flashbacks, right. where it's a little ambiguous about whether it's a hug of embrace or a hug goodbye, was something we found in editing. And the idea, originally she was going to hug him there, but it kind of let the tension out of the story if you find it there in that moment. Um, so I think that that what was nice was that Emma Emma played that scene at the end, I think, extremely realistically. She played yes, it she did, Emma. with a wow. lot of a lot of hesitation, but also conflict. And I, I think it's a, a sort of noteworthy thing that that. Um, Alex spends so much of the talk of the movie being overly verbal and talking when she's nervous and being hyper articulate. And then in a scene where she's talking to him at the end, she's almost monosyllabic. She barely says anything. But you can see all of the conflict on Emma's face because, you know, we were lucky and she auditioned for this. <laughs> so. Right. Well, fantastic, fantastic job, Emma. Um, so. Well, I, I didn't want to get too much into plot points, obviously, because we want sure. the audience to see who are you people. But you are going to have a uh, premiere at the Mammoth Film Festival this Saturday, February 5th. Are you guys both attending? You know, we are. Nice. You must be excited. To, yeah, you must be excited, really excited to see, see this film on the big screen. Um, uh, tell us about, um, yeah, getting accepted into Mammoth and, um, and um, yeah, and we're after the Mammoth um premiere how can everyone see the film more importantly well that's a great question um we are in the process of dealing with uh distribution stuff so we're figuring that out um right. but hopefully we'll have more concrete answers soon uh mammoth is a cool festival it's uh it's fairly new but i think it, it gets a lot of um i think it's splashy and fun from what i i've heard people who have been there and had a great time so we really wanted the movie to, to be seen, and now is like sort of the first time that movies are really being seen in theaters again. We, we mm -hmm. hesitated having, um, we could have done a virtual premiere last year, but it just seemed like it's a movie you want to have at least a, one, you want it to be in the theater at least once. So we're going to start there. Yes. And hopefully it'll be more than once. That's great because uh, Sundance went the complete virtual route, and yeah. that's good that Mammoth is in person, and you guys got to do the carpet and, and, and all that good stuff. I'm not the sure there might be a virtual component to Mammoth as well okay. as a sort of ancillary thing, but I think that it is definitely going to be in person. So people can come 3.30 at, uh, on February 5th, and you can oh. see Emma and I blab about it in real life too. Oh, my God. Wow. So many awesome characters you play, Emma. And I want to talk a little bit about um, what lies below because um, – I want to know what happens. I mean, um, are we seeing a sequel? I mean, you're in a tank, and uh, apparently you now can breathe underwater uh, <laughs> as your character, Liberty, of course. Um, just, wow, just totally just powerful, powerful performances in both films, by the way. Uh-oh. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know about a sequel. I'm probably the wrong person to ask. <laughs> I'll be the last to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, who would win the fight, John or Carl? John from what? <laughs> what lies below? John or Carl? I think I think John would win. He's like super. He's a supernatural creature from the beyond. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carl's tough. 
And he's angry. Yeah. He's got a lot of feelings. <laughs> wow. That's amazing that you had to work with both um, Alyssa Milano and Mina Savari um, as mothers. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's really wonderful, and I, I really saw the chemistry, the mother-daughter uh, chemistry that you, you brought to both characters. So, yeah, I've, had, was... I've had two American heartthrobs be my be my mothers. I guess <laughs> <it> was... <laughs> yeah, so many, <laughs> so many people have been like, oh, I had the biggest crush on Alyssa Milano when I was a kid, or I had the biggest crush on Mina Suvari when I was a kid. From American Pie, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Devin Sawa was no no team. Oh yeah, and either. Devin Sawa. Devin. The- yeah, yeah, and seeing him in this uh, great role as um, a very blue collar type of role, very different from what I've seen. He's usually more of the clean cut kind of guy, and to play a little more uh, rough around the edges was kind of. He found a real, uh, I think that Devin gives a really terrific performance because he's so uh, vulnerable and human while also being a tough guy. So there's a, there's a stoicism to him. There's an anger, there's a fear, and a, but there's also in every scene of Carl, I think an enormous amount of vulnerability. So I, I was really pleased by, by that side of him coming out and how Devin didn't over or underplay it. He just played it real. Yeah, he did. Amazing. Again, amazing work by everyone involved, uh, the cast and the crew of, of your film. You should be very, very happy. Who are you people? And of course, I might be remiss if I didn't ask, how excited are you about 2022 and the Rings of Power? <laughs> super, super stoked. Super excited. <laughs> yeah. Are you a fan of the franchise prior? I am now. I, I, I hadn't seen the films before I auditioned, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole new world that I that opened up to me um, in the past like two years. So yeah, it, it, I'm a fan now. Oh, wow. Staunch. She's excited wow. to finally be able to talk about it and say I can't wait. <laughs> and I can't wait until uh, we can talk about it. But in, in all cases, we will have to wait until September of 2022. Um, when it drops on Amazon, The Rings of Power. But congratulations on that role. That's amazing. This is an incredible fandom that you've joined. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, thank you. Wow, this has been incredible, everyone. Uh, if we uh, Actually, before, uh, uh, Ben, really quick, um, uh, upcoming projects, your next, your next works. Well, uh, I'm currently on a, on a show, which I can't talk about at all. Okay. But I- I have a job. Uh, I have a, a, a series that I did before uh, Who Are You People is going to be coming out on a streaming platform next year, two seasons of it. So I'm excited for when I can announce that. That's old stuff, though. Uh, new stuff, I'm uh, taking out a TV pitch in the next few weeks. Uh, we have a, another feature and I, I ha- uh, that we're sort of have an actress circling. Hopefully that'll work out. And and I'm from, for the next thing I'd like to do, I have a script called Pastime, which is about uh, the Pete Rose betting scandal as a sort of um, morality play about the soul of America and whether or not we're all doomed or not. And uh, it's a script that I've had for a while and have been waiting to, to go out with and when, for when after this movie comes out. So that would be a wonderful follow up. And I'm, I'm working on a quietly working on a couple other things, a, a, a thriller to, to to at some point show the world, I suppose. But yeah, working on a bunch of stuff and, and focus on, on getting this movie out there. 
awesome. Well, best of luck with the film. Of course, Who Are You People? Part of the Mammoth Film Festival um, on Saturday, February 5th, the big premiere. And the, we can't wait to uh, see it. Uh, well, the rest of the audience in the world can see this film because it's absolutely fantastic. It's an uh, incredible um, drama film um, and really tugs at your heartstrings. So, um yeah, very, very, very nice film. All right. Well, uh, before we let you go, if you could, let us know who you are. Uh, throw out a plug for who are your people or what, whatever you want or the rings, whatever. <laughs> and let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Okay. Well, I'm Ben Epstein. I'm the writer-director of Who Are You People, and I am on the Below the Belt Show. Is that good? So, um, like... <laughs> Uh, I'm Emma Horvath. I'm an actor in Who Are You People? And I'm on the Below the Belt show. All right, Emma. Wow. Thank you so much. Ben, thank you so much. This is incredible. And of course, we will uh, do a little snapshot on the count of three. One, two, three. Smile. <laughs> I think I right, there it goes. <laughs> I'm smiling, so it's fine. <laughs> All right. Great. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. Wonderful. Both of you. Thanks. This is incredible. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Have a good rest you, of the day. Emma, nice to meet you. And Emma, have you, a good Al. night. Great. Good afternoon for Ben and good night to, to Emma. I know you're <laughs> frogs, so it's a different time over there. <laughs> well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.